purples, black and blue. Episode 415. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Joker here, the clown prince of crime, and you're listening to my least favorite podcast. Pop culture leftovers. <laughs> hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And hey, we're the leftovers. leftovers. And this week we are reviewing Matt Reeves, the Batman. Long time coming. It has been a long time. This is one of those ones we've been talking about for, it feels like, three plus years. Yeah, it feels like it's been a long time. Feels like a long time. That's not how the song goes, but... <laughs> Pre-pandemic, right? We were talking about this? I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about it alone, Jake. We have guests. Many guests this week, Jake. We got quite the round table. And, oh, you scared to be on an episode alone with me, Jake? You scared for a solo Brian Jake episode? Uh, no, I'm not scared about that. That'd be fun. We haven't done that in a long time. Yeah. No, nah, not with a movie. I wanted to do a roundtable, so I got a bunch of guests together, and uh, we've got Joe Stark from StarkCast. Hey, stoked to be here. We've also got uh, Shiftin' Tristan Brown. Welcome, Shiftin' Tristan. Take it easy, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tristan channeling his penguin. All right. Uh, let's see here. And uh, Paul Hart from Apple to Oranges. Thanks for having me on. And uh, we were going to keep this episode like Robin, all dick, but we've got Kay Hottie with us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Tristan just got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
And don't worry, comic book fans. I know there's Damien. I know there's other Robins. All right. So settle down. Okay. All right. <laughs> Delete the tweets. I know. Jesus Christ. They're already pulling up tw- tweets right now, Jake. What about Technically, Damon and Jason Todd are both total dicks. So. What about Jason Todd? Hey. Total dick. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, everybody, welcome. We're going to be talking about the Matt Reeves, the Batman. So this is your official spoiler warning. I'm going to get it out of the, out right at the beginning. Uh, anything beyond this point could be a potential spoiler for the Batman. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned. The Batman synopsis. Batman ventures into Gotham City's underworld when a sadistic killer leaves behind a trail of cryptic clues as the evidence begins to lead closer to home and the scale of the perpetrator's plans become clear. He must forge new relationships, unmask the culprit and bring justice to the abuse of power and corruption that has long plagued the metropolis it's produced by dc films six in idaho and dylan clark productions and distributed by warner brothers pictures it's a reboot of the batman film free ch- franchise uh it's directed again by matt reeves who wrote the screenplay with peter craig it stars robert pattinson as bruce wayne batman alongside zoe kravitz paul dano jeffrey wright john Turturro, peter sarsgaard andy circus and colin farrell the Batman has a runtime of 176 minutes and an estimated budget between 185 to 200 million dollars. And we are going to jump straight into our ratings of this movie. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. I am excited to hear these ratings because I, like, seriously, if you're looking online, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Discord, wherever you're going... I'm seeing it's a mixed bag, man. It's a mixed bag. I, I don't know, man. This is, it seems like it's very divisive, very divisive, this movie. Uh, amongst DC fans, amongst moviegoers, very divisive. So I don't know what kind of group we've uh, got here today. I'm very interested in hearing your guys' ratings. So we're going to start off with the man uh, that actually had a Batman podcast, the animated Batcast. We're going to hear from Paul Hart. Paul Hart. Talk to me about uh, the Batman. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, man, uh, this is the highest of tastes. It's, it, it, it was so close. Uh, I, I definitely had a huge blast watching this movie. Honestly, I'm going to sound like that old guy yelling at kids on my yard. If this was like 20 minutes shorter, it probably would have been a Tupperware Um I love so much about it. I think Robert Pattinson was fantastic. All the cast was great. Zoe Kravitz stole the show, in my opinion, along with Colin Farrell. Um, as a huge Scott Snyder DC Comics fan, they incorporated a lot of his work, which I loved. Um, very excited to see No Man's Land going forward, like the Emperor Penguin storyline. I just... Uh, just like a few things, I, I wanted to see more Alfred. I loved uh, the scenes we got with Andy Circus. I kind of wanted a lot more of that relationship. 
but yeah, like especially the third act, I was like putting my code on like three times when I thought the movie was actually over, and like oh, just kidding, it's gonna keep going. I'm like, oh shit. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this. I would love to see it again, but yeah, like I'm going to be that curmudgeon. I just wish it was like 20 minutes shorter, but I, I had a blast watching. I think Robert Pattinson in my eyes solidified why he should, why he was cast just, uh, a, a fun movie. And it gave us, it finally gave us a great detective story. Like it was really cool to see Batman actually be the world's greatest detective. So I am at the highest of taste it's. I taste it. Uh, so let's hear from uh, Joe Stark. Yeah, Batman was my entryway into reading comics. And so I'm always stoked when there's a new one out. And I've really been looking forward to this movie. And I went in with high expectations. And to me, like it, it checked every box for me for like a really great Batman story. Um, it really put me in mind of, of um, like uh, Hush, The Long Halloween, uh, like Batman Year One, these um, really great detective stories, and we'd never really gotten that in a in a previous Batman movie. And so I was really excited to get such like a noir detective story out of this movie. And the performances in this were just fantastic. I mean, I really loved Pattinson as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Uh, like Paul said, Zoe Kravitz actually, I mean, she really stole this movie. She was such a great Catwoman. Uh, Jeffrey Wright as uh, James Gordon was really great, especially at that point in his career when he's just a lieutenant still. And he's kind of this really, I mean, just this single man standing between the Gotham police force that would want nothing more than to lock Batman up and unmask him. And, you know, it kind of be in that liaison there. And I mean, Colin Farrell, he absolutely disappeared into that makeup for the penguin. I mean, we all, we all knew that going in, just seeing the trailers, but seeing the, the performance at large, it was just spectacular. Um, I really liked Paul Dano as the Riddler. I've seen some critiques online uh, complaining about the costume for it. But I, don't, I, I felt like it fit really well in this movie, especially with the direction they were going and making it kind of like the Zodiac. Um, and like kind of this blending where the movie, it really felt like Batman investigating like like in the same scenery as like Seven. And like Paul Dano's Riddler really, really fit in with that. And I liked the little nuances in the character, too. Where, you know, it was showing he was unhinged, but in, like, a very different way than what we saw with, like, Heath Ledger doing the the Joker. I really liked Paul Dano, like, the way he would, like, almost start, like, whimpering a little bit. And uh, it was just a really unhinged performance, and I liked it. Uh, John Turturro killed it as Carmon uh, Falcone. Uh, just absolutely great. I really, really liked him. I liked Andy, Andy Serkis as well. Um Man, the, the Gotham in this was the real star, though. I mean, they nailed Gotham in this movie, unlike they have in any other movie, in my opinion. It, it really felt like a place where you would get murdered <laughs> if you happened to be out walking down the street at like 1 or 2 in the morning or something like that. Um, I loved the way they did the cinematography with it, too, uh, especially with so much of it being at night and in the rain. I felt like it wasn't too muddy. I, I always had a good idea of what was going on. Uh, the action in this was was really good. I loved the brutal fighting with him just absolutely pummeling people in the face. Um, the Batmobile in this was the shit. <laughs> I'm totally obsessed with it. It was so cool. And the chase scene in this movie was oh, just fantastic. And um, just all the bat tech that he displayed in this. I mean, it wasn't like a, a huge amount, but what was there I felt was used really, really well. Uh, this movie was a, a, a Tupperware for me. Uh, 
it, when, when I look at Batman movies, I compare it to the comics. I can't help but do it just because I, I, I'm such a huge fan of the comics. And so I'm always let down that it's never a detective story. And so the fact that this was a detective story and it did so well on these other things, I was just smiling ear to ear throughout the whole movie. Uh, I can definitely see what Paul was saying about the multiple endings, but it, it didn't bother me. I was fine sitting there for all three hours of this and can't wait for a uh, uh, repeat viewing. All right. Yeah. Tupperware from Joe Stark. Let's hear from uh, Kay. Kay, what did you uh, think about uh, the Batman? I'm going to say it's straight off that I feel it's a Tupperware. For me, I was when I was growing up, it was the original Batman series, you know, the very camp one from the 60s and 70s that I used to watch. So I feel like Batman has grown up with me. <laughs> like every single version seems to get closer and closer to how I would net. I feel like Gotham should be. I think Christopher Nolan came really close and he was my, that was my favorite Batman iteration. I did like Batfleck. I thought he did quite a good job, but I feel like the Snyderverse taking it back a step rather than going forward. And I think this has taken it to the, the sort of the gritty noir that I think Batman should be. Uh, it's, it's turned to something that was very simple from the sixties to something incredibly complex. And I'm actually more keen to read the comics now that have been recommended to me based off of watching this, that there's some really good gritty comics out there that, and graphic novels that I should be reading to get to the Batman that I really enjoy, which is this one. So. All right. Yeah. Two Tupperwares. I high taste it. Uh, I am going to go next. And, um, I wanted, there was some things that, uh, I had, uh, expected that I wanted from this movie going into it. And, um, I wanted a detective story. We got it. Uh, we got a detective story in this one, so I was happy with that. I, I did enjoy the voiceover at the beginning. It was kind of like reminiscent of like, you know, Sin City or, or, or the beginning of Dread. And then even a little bit of like Rorschach and the Watchmen. Um, and then we got a little bit of the voiceover at the end. I actually kind of wish we would have got that voiceover throughout the entire film, but we got it at the beginning and the end. It kind of, yeah. It kind of bookended, which was nice. Um, I also really liked how, as an origin story, I think Matt Reeves kind of uh, really did a great job here of showing Gotham being this place of crime and, and how um, Batman was this this symbol of fear. And I liked seeing like the criminals in Gotham react to the dark alleys and the shadows and be scared to go into them. And, but by the end of this, he's a symbol of hope, you know? Um, and I thought that that was great going from a symbol of fear so much so that the Riddler thinks that he's an ally. And even at the beginning, there's a, the man being attacked by the thugs at the end of that whole altercation, that fight, that, that happened. He's like, you know, please don't hurt me. And because we don't, you know, people don't know what you're going to get from the Batman. And I think by the end of this movie, Bruce has changed and he's becoming more of a symbol of, of, of hope and a hero. And I like that. I also liked how Batman was 
not as stealthy as we've seen him in other movies. He does have an element of stealth, but he's more kind of like he's younger. He's a younger Batman. He's in year two of this Batman, of being the Batman. And so he his body's taken more abuse than you'd say like – you know, an older Batman who's going to be a little bit more stealthy and not take on the criminals like straight on. You know, he might sneak his way into a place. In this one, he's just knocking on the fucking door and then busting skulls. And it's like it's like when Jordan was first playing for the Bulls. You know, he would just fucking attack the Pistons and get his body would take so much abuse. And then when he got into his 30s, he's like, I can't do this anymore. I got to And then he learned the fadeaway jumper. And I feel like that's kind of like we're see, we're going to see that evolution of Batman here with this version of Pattinson. I think that's cool. I like how they pulled from the comics Earth 1 story, uh Long Halloween, uh, you know, Hush, um Year 1. Um I I I really dug all that shit. I thought John Turturro was fucking I think John Turturro stole the movie for me when he was when he was Falcone. I think he fucking killed it as Falcone. And, um, and I loved Colin Farrell's Penguin. Um, as long as we don't get flashes of him turning into Robert De Niro during his fucking performance, that was a little, there's times where it was just like, it was like, it was Colin Farrell being the Penguin and there's times he just turned into Robert De Niro and I, it took me out of it. Basically. It took me out of it. There's, there's things I didn't like about this movie. Um, I like how they pull from the comics, but my God, could he rip off any more David Fincher? They should have gave him a fucking executive producer credit on this movie. Like from seven to Zodiac. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the detective story is great. Just like, can I get an original story? I mean, cause you're also ripping off a lot of Chinatown in this, in this movie. Um, I'm going to explain this one later, but I, this, I thought Zoe Kravitz was great, but I think this is the worst written Catwoman I think we've ever seen. Worst written. I'm not saying her performance was great for what she was given. I'll explain this one when we open up for the main review and what I mean by that. Cause you guys might be miffed on like, what the fuck are you talking about? She was a great Catwoman and I'll, I'll explain why I don't think she was. And if you can prove me wrong, I would love to hear it because maybe I'll turn around on that. Uh, I love Batman and uh, Jim Gordon working together on a case, but I hated seeing Batman just hanging out in a room with a bunch of officers. Like, if you can just get Batman and Gordon off by themselves doing shit, it was just, it looked awkward to me, him just hanging out during a crime scene with all these other officers. It just didn't sit well with me. I thought it was weird. I thought it was the worst Bruce and Alfred relationship I've ever seen. Um... There's a, there's a point in the movie where fucking Alfred just almost gets blown up and he wakes up after almost dying and Bruce is there and he says, you lied to me. You, my entire life you lied to me. It's like, rise and shine, sleepyhead. I know you almost died, but I'm going to make this about me now. And I was just like, what in the fuck is going on here? That is ridiculous. <laughs> and it didn't sit well with me. This is the guy that supposedly trained him. You know, I don't know. I, it, uh, there's another thing that I want to talk about. Um, no, I'll save that. I'll save it. I'll save it. I'm going to give this a high taste that I really did enjoy it. I, the length didn't bother me. Uh, I think the movie moves, uh, the art. I think maybe, I think it's a high taste that I really do enjoy it, but man, there's a lot of things in this that, that are kind of problematic for me. 
and we'll, we'll we'll kind of unpack that when we get into the main review. But I'll give it a high taste because I did enjoy it. Jake, what did you think about the Batman? Yeah, um, for me, it was the highest of tasted. So I'll just get that right out there. Um, I thought the length was going to be a big problem for me. I just three hours of Batman. I didn't know if I could do it, but I've seen it three times now, and, and the length isn't my biggest issue. I mean, you could probably get in there with a knife and get out 15 minutes of it and make it a little bit of a tighter, better movie. And that would help, but that's not necessarily what's making it uh, not a Tupperware for me. Um, I loved Pattinson. I loved what he did with the Batman character. Um, I also like really enjoyed seeing a Batman that wasn't like a hundred percent confident and sure of himself and sure of his choices um, you know, like he's going to do this daring jump and you you can just see in his eyes and his mannerisms that he's not 100 percent sure it's the best idea. And that we, we haven't really seen that kind of thing in any live action Batman movie. Um, I liked how they kind of like had a metaphor between his character and the Riddler's character. I, I thought the opening was really amazing. The, the first time you see it, you don't even know if it's Batman or the Riddler looking through the binoculars at first until you kind of get some clues with the breathing and they kind of replay up on that later in the movie. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I too, in my notes have that. I thought Alfred was one of the worst Alfreds. I Andy circus's performance wasn't amazing, but I also think he didn't have really much to work with. The script for him was not very good. Um, I did love Paul Dato's Riddler. I, I thought it was really impressive. Uh, much like Joe, I, I liked the way he like would moan and then deliver lines. And uh, I just thought it was really creepy and really great. I, I too got the Fincher vibes from his character. Um, I loved Catwoman. I thought Zoe Kravitz did a really great job in that role. Um, I did not see kind of the twist coming halfway through the movie with her character and, and her relationships and was pretty blown away by that. Um, the penguin was okay. I, the performance was unbelievable that it was Colin Farrell, but it was a little bit, a little bit over the top. Um, Loved the Batmobile, loved the chase scene. I thought the score was an absolute Tupperware. One of the, maybe the best score for a Batman movie to date, in my opinion. Uh, the sound was also just really incredible. Like the sound editing makes that Batmobile seem what it is. It's some of the best sound editing I've heard in, in any DC or action movie. Um, I, I liked that the movie was, was funny, but rarely silly like i don't think people think of it as a comedy movie like an mcu movie but it did have i thought really subtle jokes that actually really hit pretty well i thought on second and third viewing some of the humor stood out a little bit more to me that i didn't notice the first time and i really appreciated that um when the movie did get silly though it was a little bit eye-rolling i thought there was some unnecessary stuff with um like the question mark and the coffee cup and, and just silly stuff like that. I thought didn't really fit into the uh, David Fincher film noir aesthetic. This movie was going for it. It kind of lost its way in a few scenes. Um, the scene that was like a post credit scene that could have been a post credit scene was a little bit needless in my opinion. And I was a little bit sad to see them go that direction. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to break all this down. Uh, I guess real quick, I, I did love how Gotham looked. I loved how so much of the story dealt with the corruption within the mob, within the police, within Bruce's own family. Um, I just really liked seeing that. None of the other Batman movies have really touched like 
the real seedy side of Gotham like that. And I, it seems like even going forward, there's going to be even more of that if they do storylines they're kind of alluding to. So I, I really like that direction. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was a great movie. I was surprised at how much I liked it. I kind of thought going in that it might be a middle of the road, taste it, low taste it for me. And I, I find myself enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. You mentioned, I want to talk about this real quick, and I want to open this up later when we start talking about the movie, but you mentioned kind of like how they kind of compared, how they made it, made the Riddler and Batman very much alike in this movie. Is that, what? Did, how did you put it? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like that they, they kind of, I think on purpose, and I noticed this more on the second and third viewing, really like give both those characters a lot of the same characteristics within this movie. Yeah. And the Riddler himself brings that up later in the interrogation scene, but you kind of pick up on it right away. I think from the opening scene, just um, the binocular scene. Yeah. Batman's doing the exact same shit with uh, Catwoman later. And I like how it paints him as not maybe the greatest guy making the greatest decisions. And you could see how villains and bad guys in Gotham City would be frustrated with uh, Batman as a hero. I like that too, dude. Here's another thing that I picked up. I, I want to know what you guys – I want to open this up when we actually start to review it. But it's it's very much implied in this movie. There's another thing that I didn't like. I, I liked it, but I, I don't like the way it was handled. It's very much implied in this movie that the reporter who was murdered by Falcone was the Riddler's father. And I think in order to make, I think that they should have revealed that instead of just implying it, they should have revealed that because I think it really would have kind of solidified the Riddler's motivation as to like, kind of like you've got like on one end, you've got, he's talking about how, you know, orphan, orphan, Bruce Wayne, orphan. He lives in his, he lives in his tower looking down on us and he just lost his father. Yet, yet the Riddler, whose father was this reporter, lost his father and he's sent to this orphanage where rats chew on their fingers in the morning when that's how they wake up and babies die in the winter time and, and all this stuff. I think instead of just implying that, they should have just came out and said it. I agree with that. That would have been better. I mean, the way the movie works is it's kind of like he read one too many conspiracy articles on the Gotham Facebook page. Yeah. And and just decided to take matters into right. hand. I, I think that would have solidified his motives and motivation in a more interesting way than he was just a creepy online troll. Well, I mean, the way that they were kind of abused, well, the the way the money was abused and the way the orphanage didn't get it and all this other stuff, I guess that could be enough motivation. But I think just to kind of like show you how him and Bruce are the same yet different would have just, I think it would have made the movie that much better if they would have just fucking came out and said that, yes, his father was the reporter that was murdered by Falcone. And that it, it's just one more step in that direction yeah. that I really like. Yeah. We're seeing both sides of the same coin. Exactly. Exactly. Um, this Tristan, I have no idea what how you're going to rate this thing, dude. I've been dying to hear. <laughs> That's why I wanted to save you for last because I think I had a gauge on how I thought everybody else was going to rate this thing. I've actually only had one surprise so far since since we've opened up ratings. So I'm dying to hear what you thought. Well, um, to start off, um, the Batman is my favorite comic book character. Um, I went r- directly into a comic book shop right after seeing. 
Batman Returns in 1992, and that was my first fucking comic book was Batman 485. And so, you know, I've been a huge fan, and I've always wanted to see them make a definitive Batman movie that emphasizes the detective element. You know, it's DC Comics, Detective Comics, and and we've never really seen that detective element except, you know, hints in the Nolan verse and, you know, a couple other places sparse, but we never really got a true detective film. I'm going to come out and say that like this movie's not perfect at all. Like it's, it's, it's very clunky in certain parts, but I thought it was a very, very well done Batman film. Like I felt that it's, it's as close to a Batman graphic novel as we have gotten so far. And, and it's not for everyone. Like, I can't even say everyone's going to like this. And I, and I even understand the criticisms that people may have because, you know, some people feel that Batman is just, you know, a, a, a physical character that, that doesn't have that cerebral element because they've grown up on iterations that don't emphasize the detective element. But like, I really, really enjoy the detective element, the slow pacing. Like the length, a lot of people are complaining about the length, but to be honest with you, I could have sat there for like another fucking hour and and went through this uh, detective story because I feel that that slow pacing and that length really emphasizes that this is like a, you know, a cat and mouse chase and that nothing's just going to be given to you and, and everything has to be figured out. And, and it made you really feel like you're part of the journey um, because it kind of felt like it was like real time pacing a bit. And um, Batman has always been the most interesting character in his lore, I feel. And that's one thing that has been lost in previous films that emphasized the villain. And, and I felt that this movie did a great job of just emphasizing how incredible Bruce Wayne slash Batman is. And um, I'm, I'm happy for Matt Reeves to really get this opportunity and show what he can do. I do agree with the criticism that there was a lot of copy and paste here. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me a bit of the Joker, um, you know, and how so much was borrowed from King of Comedy and Taxi Driver and stuff like that. Like, I saw a lot of things in this movie that have been done before. Um, but it was, you know, a great um, amalgamation of uh, of all these wonderful detective stories. You mentioned Chinatown and, um, and uh, you know, Seven... Zodiac and and yeah, definitely felt like a lot of that. I, I did wish that Matt Reeves kind of created a little bit more individuality in in this film because I can't, I still can't tell you what his stamp is. Like I can't, I can't tell you what his style is because it's stuff we've all seen. It's great stuff, but it's all stuff we've seen before. Yeah. Um, and um, I love when that inner monologue hit in the beginning. Yeah, and the and the Nirvana started playing. Like I just got a big smile on my face because that that was just such a a very powerful way to start the film. Like it felt like a graphic novel coming off the page. And um, I like the imperfections of Batman. I, I, it was my criticism after first viewing, but then I realized like this is really year one slash year two Batman. So of course he's going to have imperfections in those comics emphasized how he wasn't perfect at that time like i had a problem with the the lack of stealth you know i was like wondering why the fuck is he just clunking in out the shadows like that like you can hear him coming like a mile away and and i realized it's you know this is um the batman before he kind of figures out how he should go about fighting 
And that's a perfect metaphor that you mentioned, Brian, about, you know, the NBA and players, you know, as they get older, like, for instance, they have to start assisting more and, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, uh, not just driving to the hoop, you know, like in, and I can see that in later films, and I would really like to see how this Batman develops is that he's going to figure out that, you know, you can't just freaking just run in there and just start fucking getting shot point blank and, and bashed over the head every night. Like you're, you're, you're not going to make it. And so it, it was nice to see that this is not the fully formed Batman. Um, I cringed a little bit when he got dragged by his cape, but at the same time, that's so realistic because if you go out there fighting crime in a cape, like motherfuckers are going to drag that shit, you know? And, <laughs> so that was like as ridiculous as it looked like a, that's a realistic response. Like grab his fucking cape, you know? And, uh, Jay pointed out the score, man. I have to agree that I think, I think this theme, this Batman theme might be one of my favorite superhero themes ever. <laughs> Um, I've been playing it over and over again, and and it's so powerful. It's a little familiar in certain parts, but at the same time, it's like, man, like it's. I I think G, Michael Giacchino just did a, a phenomenal job on the score, and it's so powerful. And the the sound design too that um, Jake mentioned as well. I, the fact that my theater was just rumbling when the Batmobile yeah. was introduced. <laughs> yeah. That's like, so like, I mean, it's a, basically a fucking character, you know, and that it was almost like, it was almost like, you know, a WWE fight when like someone just fucking comes out of the shadows. Like, like that was just so fucking well done. The introduction to that Batmobile and um, the chase and the way that was shown like i, I kind of wish that some of that was not in the trailer because it would have been even more impactful yeah um, <laughs> but that was that was one of the best um chase scenes i've seen um and yeah like overall the casting was i thought was phenomenal i thought that everyone was probably the best iteration of that character or at least close to it with the exception of alfred um i can't say that zoe kravitz is my favorite catwoman i still think that Michelle Pfeiffer was just phenomenal and, and probably in a, a better written movie, she might even be, you know, you know, uh, have done even better. But like, um, I thought Zoe Kravitz was, was excellent. I thought, um, Colin Farrell unrecognizable. Um, he wasn't as annoying to me as, as with his De Niro impression, but at the same time, I do hope that he kind of tones it down a little bit and we see a little bit more character and, and the series that's coming out in HBO max. Um, Jeffrey Wright, I mean, was basically very effective. You know, I felt like he gave exactly what he, he knew what the assignment was, <laughs> you know, and he gave us exactly what we're supposed to get. And Pattinson, um, there were elements of him that I, I, I wasn't jiving with, but at the same time, I keep reminding myself it's a younger Batman. This is a guy that's still trying to figure it out. I kind of felt like uh, that scene with Alfred as well was a little, little mishandled because you know, as you mentioned, he just came out of a coma and, and this guy is complaining <laughs> yeah. about lies of the past. But at the same time, I'm kind of thinking, OK, this is also a bit of an immature Bruce a bit um, who doesn't know how to really express himself. Like I felt like when he says at the end, you know, I, I was terrified because I almost lost someone that I truly care about. Like that's like almost like the best way that he can express himself loving someone, you know, and and possibly that he's just very guarded and not able to show emotion like like typical people would. But um, but I felt 
yeah, I felt overall Patterson was was phenomenal in the role. I felt that that his Bruce and the way that he was still Batman when he was Bruce was very effective because a lot of people have been complaining that he's not a good Bruce Wayne. And the reason being is because he's still Batman when he's Bruce Wayne in this movie. And um, he hasn't really developed the Playboy persona yet. Like, I feel he's just still a recluse who's going to develop that a little later. And um, you can tell he's basically the same character with with and without the mask. And um, the cinematography in this film was just phenomenal. I noticed it was the same guy who did the Dune cinematography. Um, And there's just scenes in this movie that I would just freeze frame and put on a wall because they're that beautiful. And... Yeah, overall, like, I fucking love this movie. Like, it, it was the highest of Tupperware for me. I've seen it three times. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it three times as well. Um, Jake, how many times do you see it? Three. Paul? One. Okay. I've only seen it the once because work's a bit busy. <laughs> oh, that's fine. And Joe? Just once so far. Just once. Okay. Um... Yeah, I want to talk about it. There's, I mentioned earlier that I, I thought that this was the worst written Catwoman ever. Let me explain that if you guys don't, if you guys aren't picking up on what I'm saying. Would you agree that in the comics and in every other iteration we've seen of Catwoman, she's a she's a she's a cat burglar, right? Mm-hmm. She's a thief, right? Yet in this movie, when we're introduced to her. As far as I know, she isn't. Like, maybe you can say, like, she has been a burglar. We just haven't seen it. Maybe she's stealing from the penguin on the side. But as far as I can tell, she's not. She owes money on bills. We saw them on her table. I mean, if she's going around and stealing from, you know, rich people, I don't see it reflected in her apartment or the bills that are laying on her kitchen table. So, hold on. Let me, let me... If if she's not going around stealing shit and being a cat burglar, why does she have all these cat burglar skills that we see in this movie? We see her opening a safe like she's done this a million times. Mm. And then we Good see point. and we see her she's jumping around and flipping around like who who did she train with? How did she train to become this gymnast, like this gymnastics person? And if if she's not using those skills to be a burglar, why does she have them? How did she get them? Is this just, why does she have that suit? Why is she going out? It didn't make sense to me. I thought she was great. But when I sit back and I think about it, why is she Catwoman? Why is she, because as far as I can tell, she's not a cat burglar. She's got bills laying on the table. But all of a sudden, she's dressing up, suiting up, and jumping out of the house. Is she going out there fighting crime? It seems like she's gone out there before and fought people hand-to-hand. Maybe Gotham's just that fucking dark and dirty that she's got to learn to fight like that. But I don't under... I just... It didn't make sense to me. It It didn't make sense. That's the biggest problem I have with the writing of this character in this movie it has nothing to do with Zoe Kravitz and the way she played the character it has everything to do with what they showed me that inherently Catwoman is a burglar and that is missing. I feel like from the get in this movie, if someone can explain this to me, maybe I'll, maybe I'll turn around on this, but I haven't been able to, I haven't been able to figure out why she's even Catwoman. 
with no, with all these no, things. You're right about yeah. that. I mean, she um she definitely has all those skill sets, but yeah, we, we clearly see her bills. We clearly she she has all the motivations to be a cat burglar. But it doesn't seem like it's until halfway through this movie that she actually decides, okay, now I'm going to start stealing money to help myself out. But yeah, that does not explain where she got that skill set. I, I guess you think that, that the skill set would have been something that she learned to survive in Gotham to become a cat burglar. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I like your mental gymnastics of Gotham is so dangerous, but that doesn't explain why Gotham is so dangerous. I know how to open a safe with yes. all the equipment. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's got all the equipment and she's doing Catwoman things, but there is, that's the thing. My biggest problem is this. She's doing Catwoman things. But there's nothing showing us that she's ever been – she's been doing this in the past. Like this is Catwoman that we know from the comics. This is the Catwoman that we know from every other iteration of the comics where she's a burglar. That's inherent to the character, and I don't see it here. She just does things. The way I read it was that like Bruce at the beginning of his career, Catwoman's at the beginning of her career too. And she's really reminiscent of the character in Frank Miller's year one where she is living in this apartment with this other girl and it's in this beat up shitty part of town and she's not really wealthy and she still has, you know, this skill set. And so I'm reading it that she just hasn't hit a big score yet. And so even though she's doing this cat burglar stuff, you know, she is, you know, still behind. (laughs) I mean, she only owed like 500. It was, yeah, that, well, just on that one, just on that one bill, it was like 420 some dollars. Yeah. Like knock off a super K or something, you know. I mean, you think that (laughs) it's just such a terrible city that in third grade they teach you how to crack a safe to survive. (laughs) Maybe she's just bad with her money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she's an impulsive buyer. I thought the I thought the romance was a for a three hour movie. I. I kind of had the same problem with Man of Steel. Like, I, I, I didn't think their kiss was justified. It, it seemed a bit awkward to me. Like, I didn't think. It, didn't no, think it wasn't that. just one kiss, Jake. There were three. Yeah, I, I just never. It seemed like up until that moment, Batman kind of looked down at her. And it seemed like she was kind of like looked down at him. Like, they both had like almost disgust for each other. And then the next mm-hmm. thing you know, they're romantic. Like, I, I didn't get that. There's like the, the moment where. You know, he's getting ready to put in the, um, the, the contact with like the, the technology and stuff like that. And he's looking at her and she's looking at him. And I could tell that there's some kind of like a longing. He wants to have a relationship with someone and he is kind of attracted to her and drawn to her. And especially when he's rewatching that video over and over again, I think he yeah. will, I think, you know, I think he, you know, he probably hasn't been in a relationship as far as we know. We don't know. And I didn't get the fact that they had any kind of like disgust towards one each uh, towards one another. I feel like they're just two two people in the same two people in the same city that are going through a lot of the same stuff, but they just been they've gone through it differently, way differently. Yeah, I think she would clearly have more disgust for him if she actually knew who he was. Like she definitely verbally describes the disgust she has for people that are Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. So. so I, that was that was interesting, but I don't know. It just seemed more like the actors were attracted to each other than the characters really had the motivation, in my opinion. Yeah, I, 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 I completely that. missed. Oh, she's poor, but still a cat burglar thing. 
I feel the thing, stupid. The now. thing that I got, the thing that I pulled up in my head towards the end was when she was fighting in that strapless shiny top i was like yeah speaking from from the perspective of someone with boobs who has worn a top like that you move too much those babies pop out wardrobe malfunction yeah they would there would have been a wardrobe malfunction i was watching going yeah that doesn't work she was she was about the about to pull a janet jackson there I was yeah. going to say keep her away from Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that I thought. I was like going, yeah, that that would that that jarred with me. That's one of the things that jarred with me with the costume was that. So, but I, I do think I have a little bit of a point with the whole Catwoman burglar. I think it's kind you of do. Inhale. you do. I didn't just really think about it. <laughs> so if they totally took out that scene with her looking or with Bruce looking at that overdue bill, mm-hmm. would 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 all those feelings have gone away? That's a yeah. No, I, I I wouldn't have. I, Joe, I probably wouldn't have looked at it so closely if that were, if that if that were taken out. It's just yeah. so. Yeah, it's just maybe, so. Maybe it, it's like a decoy that she has these unpaid bills so that people don't realize she is a cat boat. That's why. That's too much. Why? That's too much. That is too much of a stretch. <laughs> One night stand at a bar. I'm good at whistling across graveyards. The way that the way that I saw it was that. Um, my initial thought was that she is kind of holding back a bit. Like she can rob banks and she can rob all kinds of stuff, but I felt like she was only trying to go for justified scores like Falcone. You know, she's not just someone who's just going to rip off anybody. Um, and she's only doing it for survival. Um, and maybe she's going to evolve into someone that just, you know, goes into a bank and rips it off. You know, she just, she she just, but the thing is, she just, she breaks and enters like she's a professional, Tristan. Like she's done this before. Like that, that did not look like somebody's like first time where they're panicked or nervous. She's, she, she would have been in and out of that place if it wasn't for Batman showing up when she goes to crack that safe. She just well, she's clearly been doing it since she was a kid. I mean, she's been, you know, her mom got taken away when she was seven. So you kind of have to know that she's been surviving on her own since she was very young and probably. Yeah, but she's, she's, yeah. She, she, as far as we know, the only thing she's doing is working for the penguin on the side. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we can try to, we can try to say maybe it's this, maybe it's that, but I'm just going by what the movie showed me. The movie showed me that she's a woman who has a lot of bills that are unpaid, yet she has all the skills of a fucking cat burglar. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just, I I thought it was, it was pretty glaring to me after I thought about it. I was like, man, I loved her performance, but what the fuck? That's like the most, I think like that's, it's inherent that the character's a burglar. Like, and at the end, at the end of the movie, she's like talking to Bruce about like, you know, like, why don't you come with me up north to Bloodhaven? Why can't we like knock off some CEO types and stuff? And it's like, okay, that's the Catwoman I know. That is not the Catwoman that we were introduced to at the beginning of this movie that's serving drinks to the Penguin and his and his gang members. Like, yeah, you th- pay your I, electric bill, Selena. Well, the thing is, I think it would have – exactly. I think it would have been like – they should have at least done – and we're going to get off this topic here in a moment, guys. I promise you. But I think <laughs> – I think that it would at least done the character a bit of like justice if they would have like said that she was, you know, that she was forced to steal from a young age for the penguin and for Falcone and stuff like that. 
maybe that's that's why they kind of have her around. It's like she's an excellent cat burglar, and that's why they have her around. Maybe she's been stealing for them, and they cut her in. But they never talked about any of that. It's just like we're just seeing Catwoman do Catwoman things, but – there's there's a four hundred fucking dollar bill on a fucking table. Like what yeah. the fuck? I think well, you I know think what? that is the biggest problem. Is just don't show her in debt. Yes, she could not be living a luxurious life. Like we would understand that she doesn't want to be in the limelight. She doesn't want people to know she stole all this money. Don't show us her overdue electric bill. Just show us her apartment. Maybe show one of the cats like digging in a pile of necklaces or something, just to establish that she has stolen things. She has money. But to to establish that she's like barely making it did just kind of throw in this wrench of like what the hell is she? Yeah, Joe. That I guess if they did keep that scene out, then I wouldn't have as big. It, it's not a big glaring problem to me. But they kept it in. That's yeah. that's I mean, the it whole does thing. Make you do. I mean, once you do notice that, it does make you do some mental gymnastics. And for me, I think it's close enough to just say. She's in between jobs. Maybe she's working for the penguin because she's casing something. It's not, but it's, it's not, they don't come out and say it's that. not our job to, 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 to figure that out for them, Joe. It's yeah. their job. It's their job writing this movie to give us the, to give us, I think, at least a cat woman that we know should be a cat burglar by this time. If she's doing the things that, if she's doing the things that she's doing in this movie with stealth, with ease, opening safes, she should have been in this life for a while. But that's, and, and there's, there, I think it's, I think it is a problem. And I don't know why nobody didn't do anything about it. I don't understand. I, it doesn't, the character doesn't, this iteration of the character doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, her skill set and her gear makes it seem like it's something she's definitely been doing for a while. Um, I've heard rumors that there's a four-hour cut of this, and so I'd be curious if there's more about her background or or current, like, what she was doing working for Penguin or anything in that extra footage that may or may not exist. <laughs> in that scene, you see her signing up for government assistance. Being <laughs> <laughs> evicted by her landlord. Ah, <laughs> uh, I... Let's yeah, let's talk about let's talk about uh I actually I will talk about. I think Pattinson was was good. I but he's I still it doesn't change my ranking of my, you know, top Bruce Wayne's, my top Batman's at all. He's not at the top of any, either of those lists. I I still think Bale's the best Batman and I still think that uh Keaton's the, still the best Bruce Wayne that we've seen. Um, but that is just my opinion. Did did Patton rise to any to the top of anybody's list after this movie? Oh, I like that more than Bale. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think it's Bruce Wayne is as good as Keaton's. I, Bale's bat voice is just too much for me. It, it's just laughable. I can't help but <laughs> yeah. smirk every time I hear it. It's like I was like imagine Batman voice Bale doing some of that narration in this movie. Like it would have been a joke. I, <laughs> you know, and I like going on what you just said, Jake, I will agree with Brian. Like it reminded me of the dark Knight returns by Frank Miller. I was hoping we would have got that inner monologue, the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I love the way it like began. I'm like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. Like, and then it stopped, and then we got at the end. I'm like, oh man, I wish we would have had it more. I know. I was thinking, like, man, this is really like Sin City. But they took more of like the. I think it was Dread, where like we heard 
dread at the beginning, you know, Carl Urban's dread where you heard him talking at the beginning, we heard him talking at the end. So they just kind of like bookended the, the monologue. I, th- it would have been great to have that throughout the entire movie. Here's one I would thing. I would like to have heard other characters perspective like that. Like I, I kind of think less is more with the Batman narration. I would have loved to have heard like Jeffrey Wright. Now, Gordon get to do a lot of narration. But you get you get a lot of the inner monologue in the Detective Batman comics. And so I yes. thought that's what I was yeah. hoping for in in this movie is to get, is to hear a lot of like his inner thoughts and shit like that. You know, like when he is you know, not just at the beginning and at the end wrapping everything up. It almost, you know, it just felt like it would have been nice to hear his inner thoughts as he's, you know, staking out places and doing certain things. And, um, I really would have liked that. But it that, would have really played up the detective angle too. Yeah. Had they let him do it the entire time. When, here's one I thing. I wish that Gordon had a little bit more to do too, because I felt like Batman was solving everything. And, um, and even though I, I love the chemistry and the partnership, I felt that. Batman was carrying a little bit more of the weight than Gordon. Gordon had a lot on his plate though, man. I think Gordon was caught between two different worlds here. Like he's, he's, he really sees the value in the Batman and what he's doing and what he can bring to the table. But on the flip side, nobody in the force does. And so he's kind of like caught between like Batman, I want you to do what you do. But then on the flip side, you can't do what you do. Because of the police officers and shit like that. So he's kind of like stuck in the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 This Gordon doesn't losing, have it. Oh, God, there's also been people dying left, right, and center. He's discovering that most of the people he knows are very corrupt. It, it's, it is a lot to deal with. It, yeah. The, the corruption. It's like, exactly. it, and he can't go after certain, it's, it's not like he can just like go after the commissioner. Like that's his boss. You know, I mean, he's got a, yeah, yeah, there's a, he's he's got a lot on his plate here. I I loved Gordon and Batman together though. I just wish that it, I, mm. Did you guys like seeing Batman just walk into a room full of police officers and walk around a I crime did. scene? Actually, it gave me anxiety. I, I liked it. Yeah. I just felt one at a time, guys. Sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, the entire time, I just had anxiety. I'm like, they're going to grab him and unmask him. Why wouldn't they grab him and unmask him? How would he get away from that many people? And so I totally get where where you were coming from with that. But I guess it's something that I've seen him do in the comics. And so I was like, all right. Yeah, I guess, you know, he's got Gordon's trust. But, man, it does seem awfully risky. <laughs> yeah. That's... They didn't address it in the movie where he had to escape it. Yeah, yeah, it just it just it just felt like a very risky move and I kept thinking to myself like why isn't he showing up to these crime scenes afterwards and just like sneaking in there by himself and I don't know, I don't know, maybe that'll change by the second movie or maybe they'll just keep having him walk in. I'm surprised they just didn't set him up with his own office in the in the <laughs> in the I, I place think the movie very clearly established that that wasn't something that had happened before and I thought it was a, a pretty clever way to quickly establish Gordon and Batman's relationship and what they thought about each other. Uh, I thought later dialogue between the two characters were were well supported by this scene. I I actually quite liked it. I don't see it something that happens in the future very often, but I, I like my biggest issue. My biggest issue uh, was the fact that he was not this lack of stealth, but the fact that he was so in the public, just walking through clubs, and <laughs> and you know, I, I still wanted him to be an element of 
of a nightmare, you know, like people are still not even sure if he really exists as opposed to a guy that just shows up in public and fights in front of thousands of people, you know, like, so that was my biggest element was that our issue um, was the element of him being so public in the public. Yeah. I quite like the fact though, that the, um, the officer at the door that didn't like him was saying, why should he be here? Why should he be here? Is the one that gives him the final, clue at the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. You see the attitude mm-hmm. of the police changing through that one character, rather than oh, making Martinez. it a different one yeah. each time. You have that progression. I like that. Well, I also liked it how, like, yeah, you're talking about Officer Martinez and then he sees him mm-hmm. and he stops him and he's like, you know, this is a police. You know, this is only police. And, um, but later on at, uh, at um, the, uh, the funeral scene, um, they they show Martinez and he sees Bruce Wayne. He's like, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> so, yeah. so, Such a fanboy. Yeah. He's a fanboy of Bruce Wayne, but he, but he's not a fan of Batman. It reminded me of like, you know, Flash Thompson in the new Spider-Man movies, how he, how he loves Spider-Man, but hates Peter Parker. And this yeah. is like the inverse of that. The movie did a really good job of showing that dichotomy too. Um, like the, the, the doorman scene at the club as well and how Bruce is treated differently than Batman. Like yes. it, it, it set it up like that a couple of times where it showed how people view him and treat him very differently. Mm-hmm. And he has to learn how to use that to his advantage. I did like, um, in when he is with the officers and he is leaving that first crime scene and he sees the little boy, I did get emotional because it's like, yeah. You know, we don't have to see the death scene of the Waynes to understand when Bruce looks at that boy who's just lost his father, who's been murdered, that Bruce is looking at this boy as the same way he felt when he was a kid. He knows what this kid is going through right now in this moment. Um, that long stare was powerful. Yes. Yeah, I really like mm-hmm. it. I agree. What did you guys think about the drug, the drops? I thought it was interesting that they made something up new for this. I thought it was weird on Halloween night. You had I, first off. Yeah. On Halloween night, you've got the guy dressed up as is there the drop heads have a mascot. Did you notice that? The like, melon. yeah, it's like this onion head thing. Yeah. And like, I didn't notice. The, well, there's gr- like out of a Tim Burton, like animated good call or something joe there was the there was graffiti in gotham in in one shot that they showed and it showed that kind of like onion head that jake talked about the smile the same mask that the guy was wearing that was holding up the place they showed the head and then like the ghostbusters symbol of like blocking him out you know and it said just say no to drops and i was like okay so like that's like crack having a mascot or something you know, like <laughs> it was on the uh, the onion head was on the packages too. In the scene the where uh, Selena gets the drops, you can see a bunch of the onion head logos on the actual packages she takes. Yeah, I kind of dug the new kind of like drug. They didn't want to just like give us like a like a real drug like heroin or or Whoa. crack or something. They kind of like went like the RoboCop two. You <laughs> I know, was thinking that as the, well. the the nuke drug that they used in that one. Yeah. Well, Brian, like it totally reminded me. Like you talk about the voiceover and. Drug. Dread, it kind of reminded me of like how slow mo was the yeah. specific drug in dread right that that gotham has its own drop drug yeah and it was crazy to see once we got into that club how many people in the da's office were doing drops i mean <laughs> it's just you think that's coming straight from the evidence room 
<laughs> totally. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Not even just the evidence room. They kept that operation going. Like they got the oh, big, yeah. they got the big bust, but later on in the movie, Batman sees that the operation hasn't ended. Like it's still going. Like the only reason that that bust ever went down was so that they could get Maroney into office. Yeah. And they could get their cut of the drugs and money as well. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they did a good job with Coulson giving him, you, you did have a little bit of sympathy for him. He seemed quite sad and lost in the club. Like he was looking for someone to be a friend to him. Yeah, he wasn't like a mustache twirling villain by any means. He was no, very because vulnerable. then when you see Falcone's interaction with um, with Selena, you're kind of like, oh, that gives me the ick, you know? It's, uh, <laughs> whereas, you know, Coulson was, I think he did try to be nice. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like on the flip side, he's got like a, a family at home. <laughs> oh, so. God, yeah. I'm not saying he's a good person, but I'm just saying they did a good job of giving you a bit of sympathy for yeah. him. That he was, he just seemed very sad and lost. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I didn't feel any sympathy for him. I, I took that as more he's that pathetic. Like, it made me feel less sympathy for him. Like, he's involved in this and he's just still that pathetic. Like, he wasn't <laughs> trying to do Selena any favors by going up and striking a conversation with her. I mean, it was all selfish motives and he was a very pathetic <laughs> individual exactly i i don't understand where any of the sympathy comes for that character i guess it comes to i guess it comes out like we don't feel oh whoa well, oh shit i think i i i think the riddler just sent someone a clue <laughs> it, was it was me i just got i just got a silver alert for a vulnerable missing person on foot in my neighborhood sorry about that i apologize well, suit up and go out there and find him. <laughs> suit up. I'd be more like I'd be I'd be as pathetic as the Scar Scar character. Paul right starts. Now. Paul starts giving us his voiceover. <laughs> hey guys. Hopefully, Paul doesn't take two and a half hours to figure out a, a winged rat as a bat. <laughs> what about what about in the movie? There there was the clue that. He found out, and it was, he said, an orphan. Don't you think a light would have gone off in his head that the target was him at that point? And, and, I it and, did. I no, 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 it didn't. It didn't go off in his head until he went to the orphanage, Jake. Oh, you're right. You're right. The clue was orphan, so they went to the orphanage to look for the next clue. But I thought at that moment when he would have thought, orphan he would have thought to himself like oh maybe it's me because i was thinking that even the first time i watched it i was like oh my god the next target's bruce wayne and then he goes to the just that naive you're exactly right i think he's just that naive that he doesn't associate his father thomas wayne as being any part of the corruption that makes sense that makes sense yeah and as well when you say the word orphan you think of little child you don't think of yourself as a grown-up maybe being an orphan yeah it's just one of those things where you know he said his next target was an orphan i was thinking like who's the most famous orphan there is so i i would think that the next target would have been bruce wayne Uh, and i thought it too i was like yeah it's you bruce exactly and and then they end up going to the orphanage and i'm thinking like this whole time that you've taken this time to go to the orphanage you could have been calling alfred and saying hey and then alfred like opening a package and then like one of them is like wrapped in in this you know uh Flame, flame proof material and he's still like holding it i'm like dude 
you think the, a card in in flame proof in in flame proof uh, sleeve? Um, this, there might be you might you might want to throw this away, dude. <laughs> yeah, give him a word jumble and he's aces, but give him a fucking uh, aluminum wrap. Like, what <laughs> what is this? I don't know, and I it's had an issue with that too. Yeah. All of the kills were very clever, and this is just a nail bomb. Like, I think he could have done a little better than that. He must have just thought Bruce Wayne was a fucking idiot. (laughs) I guess all anybody knows is he's a recluse. You know, he's a very wealthy person. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. They do make a point of that. Yeah, but like he broke in. He broke into the the, into the uh, he broke into the house at the beginning for the first murder. Yeah, what is yeah. maybe maybe the security is too good there? I don't know. I the, it's more oh yeah, gymnastics. we saw the security with fucking Alfred opening the package. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> as far as visitors go, I mean, the mail is the wild wild west. Apparently, yeah, maybe the old woman Glory fucking could have like took him out. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was name. Her name was Glory or Gloria. Um, what did you guys think about the bat suit, man? The, like, this is our first iteration of the bat suit, and I'm sure that there's going to be alterations by the time we get to the second movie. But this looked like it, it did look very homemade. And, you know, from the earliest reports where they were talking about the suit could be made from, um, guns that had been melted down, you could definitely see yeah. that the bat symbol was made from a gun. Um, and that the rest of the suit, some of it could have been from melted down guns because, you know, Batman hates, Batman hates guns. Like, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's famous in the comic books that, that, that's what he doesn't, he doesn't use guns himself because that's what killed his parents. And I don't know. I fucking, I dug the suit. I really dug the suit. I guess my biggest problem is, I think, and the reason why going back to why he's not like my favorite Batman yet is I think that Bale put in like the work, like you could tell Bale was just ripped and, I think he's, I think he's a little too lean at this point in time, um, for Batman. He just doesn't look like he has the physicality yet. Yeah, especially in the scene in his, uh, you know, when he makes the, the diagram on the ground. Like, yeah. He looked like the, more of the crow than anything. Right. Uh, but yeah, like it's, I mean, didn't Pattinson say something like he wasn't working out too much? for the film or something like that and people were having an issue with it they should yeah. they should because it didn't i mean it didn't he didn't look like a guy that had as much power as like a bale did i mean i'm not saying bale was huge but bale was bale was a little bit more physical and chiseled than he was a little bit, like more vascular I, I agree that later on they should they should work on that but i thought it was the story direction here that he, he looked the way he looked I, I think it was established that he's just not taking care of himself as bruce wayne as a person i i don't think hygiene is at the top of his list not hygiene it's like his it's not like his breath stunk i'm talking about like no, but fucking just working out and eating well and i i just don't think those are at the top of his list at this stage in his career i think in order to do what he does he needs to be in peak physical condition and I'm, i won't back off that i i think that that would have been important to him i understand him not caring about getting bruises and hurt and fucking going in just full force like a fucking tank and taking hits and punches and shit i'm cool with that but in order to fucking take all that shit you've got to have a little bit more beef on you in my opinion and the carry around that i mean how old is well. he supposed to be uh, late late twenties. I mean, you yeah, would, late twenties, yeah. early thirties. 
I mean, you're in your yeah. physical prime once you hit about 26, 27. So it's not like it's out of the realm of possibility that he, I don't know. I'm not going to stick on that too much. I'm just saying I do like a little bit more of, of a bigger muscular Batman, you know, and I think that's where kind of like Affleck and both Bale got him. He, they definitely got him there. Yeah, that's a, that's where I'm yeah. struggling with my criticism of the movie, because at the same time, you know, why I have these these nitpicks like, I also wonder if that's intentional because it's still early on, you know, and if we're going to see a very vast change on the next film. Yeah, 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 yeah. I and mean, he doesn't even know how to fight yet. I mean, he hasn't met Rochelle Ghoul or anything like that. You well, know? he's not. We're led to believe that he was trained by Alfred. And Alfred was like, instead of Alfred being like the butler that he was like, you know, in, in some iterations, like this is the Alfred that was like, you know, fought in the war and shit like that. And, um, well, he was a soldier and, and he, and Alfred blames himself for the death of the Waynes. He was the one that was supposed to, he's more of a bodyguard than a butler really. And so I guess we're supposed to, yeah. yeah, So I guess we're supposed to believe that Alfred was the one that trained him up to this point. Yeah. Yeah. And going like- with what you said, Brian, like, I love the costume. I love, like, the collar he had on it. I love the ears. I love the oversized gauntlets on his arms. Yes. Like, it was, like, a very, like, like new type of superhero suit that he's going to work on. But uh, everything visually just, like, it was striking to me. Like, I'm going to sound weird, but, like, even the collar added to, like, the whole, like, kind of detective type thing. Like, it's like a dude with, like, a trench coat just going around solving crimes. I just love the way he looked in that suit. Uh, yeah, I thought the suit was fucking awesome. Go ahead, Kay. I really like the uh, the fact that the knife is the bat symbol on the chest. Yeah. It's just, like, a really good good use of costuming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love that too. Really, it's just the way it clicks back into place. You go, yeah, that's someone that's thought about. I'm going to need a knife at some point. I'm going to need it for whatever I need it for, and but I need to know it's at hand. I need to be able to grab it from. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was nice the the gadgets that he had. Oh God, yeah, so and it weren't overdone. It wasn't like right. it was a gadget for everything. It was a few gadgets that he made the best use of. So, what did you think? Uh, before I forget, I got to bring this up. I thought one of the one of the most brilliant things I thought in this was the fact when he just fucking he gets shot. This is at the very end of the movie, and he's fighting like the Riddler's you know um, gang uh, that he formed online, and he's on that like platform that's hanging above the. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the newscast that's going on and, um, he gets shot point blank with a shotgun and like fucking flown like 10 feet back and then fucking he's hanging there. And then when he gets pulled back up, like he's still fucked up, you know, he's still fucked yeah. up. And then yeah. Catwoman, she rescues him, of course. And then there's this moment where she's getting hit by this guy uh, one of Riddler's guys and he out of his utility belt, he pulls out an adrenaline shot and there's a flap that he opens up on his leg and the suit. And it's like you can tell like that's what that flap is for. That's this purpose is to like give himself this adrenaline shot. I fucking I lost my shit when I saw that. I thought that that was so <laughs> fucking awesome. I absolutely love that. And then just to see him go fucking ham on that dude. Oh, it was so cool. Very satisfying. I saw some interpretations that that's the, that's the Bane Venom. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too. Yeah. I've seen that too. The, the bright green color of it made it seem kind of suspect. Hmm. 
I think people are reading into it a little too much. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder where he is getting those drugs from. Like, obviously, he's not going to the Gotham GNC for that shit. Like, is that something he's like making in the Batcave? Well, like in the in in the and I don't in the Bale movies, didn't they have? Didn't they own like pharmaceutical companies and all this other stuff? I mean, they had all. But I mean, this is not the Wayne Industries that we saw in the Bale movies either. It sounds like he hasn't been doing much with it at all. Yeah, it sounds like it's like close to collapsing unless he like gets his shit together. I feel like care of that I feel side. like one of the scenes that they cut out of this movie, and I'm glad that they did, is the meeting with the accountants. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was thrilled we didn't have to sit through that. <laughs> yeah, like, this is not important. We're skipping this. But I felt like I. <laughs> that's the four. <laughs> it's just an hour of like fucking pie charts and diagrams. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, I loved the suit as well, and just all, like, the gadgetry. I just liked how it wasn't, like, even the fanciest stuff still wasn't super fancy. Like, the eyeball overlays, like, like the TV reception for it wasn't the great. Like, it wasn't, Mm -hmm. like, the Tony Stark Batman-type shit that we're used to seeing. Like, even the high-tech stuff still, like, had its glitches and and issues with it. And I I thought that was a a really interesting take. Like I, I don't want that to go away anytime soon. Like I don't want the sequel to come and now it's perfection, everything. Like I I love seeing the growth and I I hope they take it slow with that stuff. Yeah. I want to see some improvements, you know, uh, but you're right. I don't want it to just, you know, have these huge leaps, you know? And I felt like we got a lot, like with the Nolan stuff, it was almost like Nolan was like, you know, pitching a bond movie. You know, with some of the stuff that yes. he, that that Lucius Fox was giving him, you know, all the time, and, and in this one, it feels very like like homemade kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And if we're gonna go to the next step, I want to see that next step happen on the screen. I don't want it just to be in between movies. Now he's a tech master or has a tech master. Yeah, yeah. I think like the Batcave in the, in the Dark Knight. You know, that one that was in Midtown or wherever, and it, the one in the city, and it's just all lit up and pristine, white, clean everywhere. <laughs> Go from something gritty to something like that would be too big of a jump. Yeah, I like the Batcave in this one. I actually dug oh, it quite a bit. It was fantastic. Was so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That whole scene where it was following his motorcycle, just ripping through those tunnels to get to it was really, really cool. Man, that car chase was incredible, Tristan. You did talk about how... You know, the trailers kind of gave away a little bit too much. I have another nitpick with it, but I loved it. I loved it overall. And, Jake, I mean, when we saw it opening night at the IMAX fan event, dude, they had the volume cranked up, dude. And when that fucking Batmobile started up and the flames, it was just like, dude, the whole theater was rumbling, dude. Yeah, I had a an aluminum can of amp in my cup holder, and you could hear it clinking against the side of the cup, cup holder. <laughs> nice. It was awesome. But – Here's the thing. I feel like they gave away a little too much in the trailer. And there's the scene where, like, Bruce is getting to the point where all the semis are flipping over. And then, like, the back of the semi kind of, like, forms a ramp for him. From the time that ramp is there to the time where, like, we see the penguin and then we finally see the the Batmobile fucking, like, jump over the the semis – um, yeah. A lot of time had passed. I think it should have been a little bit quicker, a little bit more instantaneous. Um, yeah. It's like they wanted you to see that um, Oswald Cobblepot, you know, was thinking that he lost. Yes. Him, and, you know, he comes through the flames. But, yeah, like, I agree. Like, I wanted to see him just fly through that fucking smoke, like, 
right after he went up that ramp. Yeah, it should have been like, uh, I got you, I got you. And then all of a sudden, boom, right out of the flames, like a bat out of hell. And mm. the, one, the one part that I thought was a little odd was that there's just this death and destruction and probably dozens of dead people back there. And he's just like slowly walking to the penguin. And I thought about that too. My second watch, I was thinking like, Oh my God, all these people are dead. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> Tell me about this website. Yeah. I thought as well, I, I love the car chase, but I found that I thought the way the penguins car flipped and spun was wonderfully violent, but at the same time, I was like, there is no way anyone would be conscious after that. <laughs> yeah. That was just such a violent spinning and hitting of the floor. I was like, whoa! <laughs> that car is number. That car is number one when it comes to safety ratings. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was a very realistic car chase too, because it was a lot of stopping and starting. There were it wasn't just like a clear path where they can just freaking chase each other there was just cars in the way and they have to like maneuver around the cars and hit the brakes and shit like that all those little details made it so much more real well i love how the car is just the car is almost like bruce himself in this movie just fucking like kicking ass and taking names just fucking going headfirst into everything like that car was just like knocking into shit fucking destroying shit and it was is this huge muscle car and it's kind of like bruce and it's like it makes me wonder, the older he gets, the stealthier he gets, will the Batmobile also kind of evolve with with him too? Will the next Batmobile we see, will it be a little bit more stealthy, kind of like like a, like a Keaton version, you know, Corvette Batmobile? Or will it be more pumped up, like the fucking, almost like the, like the, um, the Bale version, where it's almost like a fucking Halo Warthog or something. So. It's a goddamn tank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. More armored, faster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love the joy this of a practical it's car chase. Isn't it? What's that? It's the joy of a practical car chase compared to one that's been sort of CG'd together. Yeah. yeah. It's doing it for real with the flames and the Batmobile coming through it and. You know, it's, it, it looked good. And I, I like that it was happening. Like even the element of like it raining added mm-hmm. something to it, you know, just like mm-hmm. fucking. <laughs> like, and I, I did love how they shot the penguin though. You know, like when you could see him, the way you could see him in the driver's seat and just panicking. And, and, uh, at first he was like, yeah, come on, come on, you know, show me how crazy you are, but how, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you see him get increasingly more scared. And I I like that. I like that quite a bit. There's a moment, uh, there's a look on his face as Batman's approaching and he's getting ready to open that door. It looks like he's about to cry. Yeah. And I was like, man, he fucking, Colin Farrell sold me in that moment, man. He really did. (laughs) I I just feel like there was, there were times where he just went too De Niro for me and it kind of, it kind of took me out of it. Like there's the part where fucking Gordon's showing him the picture of his partner. He's like, look at this picture. He's like, come on, why you show me that? Come on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The whole interrogation scene when they were right after the chase was, yeah, one of the more ridiculous moments. Yeah. Um, But I do like how 
here's the thing. I feel like this movie had a lot. Reeves is doing a lot here. He's fucking juggling a lot with this movie because not only I feel like that's another reason this movie's three hours long. It's because of the task of them doing the, like these HBO Max shows that are going to be the spinoffs. One of the Penguin, and you know, like the movie ends and we show Pe- we you know we see Penguin and it's basically his city now. And so now they've got to they they set up that show, and then we've also got to do a lot here with like you know Jim Gordon showing how corrupt it is and now we're going to get to see what the gotham city police department's going to be like after all this uh after i'm sure half the department's gone (laughs) yeah Yeah. you know i'm sure after the investigations and stuff like that half of the department's gone and i wonder i wonder what that show is going to be about is it going to be about them bringing these guys in I'm sure some of these guys might even try to go on the run or like, you know, uh, uh, is that show going to tie into like what, what the penguins doing as well. So it's interesting. They had a, Matt Reeves had a lot to do here. He had a lot to do here. And I think he did a very, I think he did a very serviceable, not more than serviceable job. I think he did a good job. And I, and I am excited to see those shows. Cause I did like, I thought Jeffrey Wright was really good. And I thought, I thought Colin Farrell was pretty good. I'm just, man, I fucking, John Saturo fucking slayed. I thought he was awesome as, mm-hmm. as, Carmine Falcone. They killed it. Yeah. He's doing the best work of his career right now with Severance and this. He is just, he's killing it. He he absolutely was a delight in this movie. What do you think about that fight with the thugs at the beginning? I, I'm telling you, man, I could get a whole movie of him just fucking going around the city yes. and scaring the shit out of people. <laughs> like, I loved that, dude. Um, I loved it. I, and I agree that the footsteps, like, that's not the choice of, like, a, a ninja Batman. But in terms of a Batman that's just trying to build fear yes. in the people that he's, like, stalking, those heavy yeah. bootsteps coming out of the dark. And then he steps out and, you know, there's a lot of bravado. Like, oh, what is this? But you can see fear in some of their faces. And then he proceeds yeah. to show them why they should be afraid. Like, what, it was just killer. What a great scene. Oh, God. I and, and also, Sorry. That, 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 the, yeah, the new recruit that had only half his face painted, he plays yeah. Tim Drake in season three of Titans. That's right, yeah. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I've not been watching Titans, but I thought he did a really good job of looking just as scared of the people he was with and what he had to do, as well as the Batman. He just looked yeah. petrified the was, whole time. Like, he, you could tell that he was yeah. reluctant there, like he had to be there. But he didn't really want to be doing what he was doing. I thought he did a really good job. It really stood out to me. So, Do you think that that is a Joker clown gang, possibly? I mean, Joker's in jail right now, so he's clearly in jail for something. Do you think that this is a Joker clown gang, possibly? Yeah, I mean, what what they call them, juggalos or something? So, yeah, I would say. Those are the ice clown posse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're just as dangerous, probably, though. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like it, yeah we'll talk we'll talk about the whole joker thing later i suppose <laughs> uh, um. i could totally see that though like it's just like his gang you know he's he's not out on the streets and his gang's just kind of going around and just doing the sort of shit that they would still be doing yeah. were he there but at a lower level right you know just terrorizing people i mean it looked like they were doing the sucker punch thing you know yeah, just walking up to somebody and just shit. Yeah, just like drilling him as hard as you can in the face out of nowhere. Yeah, the one knockout punch. And Brian, like now that like we kind of what you said of how like Bruce Wayne and Batman is just going, 
balls to the wall. Like I kind of really appreciate that scene more now. Like he's not trying to sneak up on them. He's just trying to flat out like scare the fuck out of them. Like here I oh, am. Yeah. I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you. And I loved, I loved how this movie. And I don't remember. I don't recall seeing it too much in other Batman movies. I've seen Batman actually get shot with a gun multiple times and still keep going. Like, yeah, I love those scenes where he's just getting shot at like point blank and he's still beating the fuck out of people. Yeah, that scene, the hallway scene where the only thing yes. that's getting lit up is from like the like the the fucking machine guns going off. Yeah, I fucking yeah. love that shit. Yeah, that was cool. What about that one scene where he's in the club and uh, he fucking picks up like a bar and throws it at that guy? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And like the guy shoots at him and like the oh it was so cool. That looks so fucking cool. I like that shit. I thought that that was I, I did like that. I mean, even the suit itself, like the way it's like loud when he's like walking down the hallway, it's almost just like it's it's just more of like why this is like very a like very much a non stealth Batman and just like a kick ass take names later fucking Batman, you know? <laughs> It's more for intimidation and not stealth. Yeah. That's what's cool. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of his use of the the like uh, grappling hook gun in fights? Uh, oh, that was so good. That looked painful when he got the guy's leg. I was like, yes. oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he Didn't he shoot it off at two guys and then pull him? That was at the end? He yeah. Sh- yeah. He sh- doesn't he shoot like two and it, like pulls both of the guys? Yeah, on the scoreboard. Yeah, that was awesome. And then um, I even liked um, when he was up at the, you know, that building that was under construction, the building that he would always meet uh, Gordon at, um, when Selena takes uh, the one police officer up there and she's threatening to kill him. And then after she takes off, he fucking like repels down that building. Oh, I love yeah. that. I, 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 yeah, yeah, he's fucking yeah. running down that thing. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> It's an Australian rappel. That's some ballsy stuff. <laughs> Riddler, what did we think about Paul Dano in this? I think upon definitely upon my second watch, um I really liked I can, you know, you can you I think that his performance was definitely different than Kevin Spacey in 7, but I feel like the way that they found him, you know, uh, in the, in the restaurant was kind of like, he was, he wanted to be found. Kind of like when Kevin yeah. Spacey walks into, you know, at, when he was playing John Doe and he walked into like the police station to, and, um, this one, it's like, he's like in the restaurant. He wanted to be found in the restaurant. I, I can draw many connections to seven with that. And I don't know if, I'm not the biggest fan of like just ripping off another movie and, and, and doing that in this one. Um, I like when they pay homage, but I felt like this was just really overt. And, um, but I did love Paul Dano's performance where he just gets so super emotional in this. Yeah. Like the way his know, voice would get really yes. harsh was just the way it would change pitch and timbre all the time was just, yes, it's, it's, it was a well-written character. Mm-hmm. Cause the relationship he feels he has with Batman, which is basically all in his head. Yeah. It's really reminiscent of fandom relationships with their heroes that, you know, I have this relationship with you, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't exist. And he's based everything around this relationship and it, 
you know, yeah. I, I just thought it was a nice little take on it. And when he comes crashing down, like he, you start to hear it, like he's like, no, this is not the way this was supposed to go. Yeah. Uh, his internal monologue, his yes. internal narrative was so strong that, that Batman was part of this, that Batman would understand him, would know him. It, it, it is very much a, a fandom relationship. Did he? Uh, here's the thing. And I've seen people say that, yes, he did know that he was Bruce Wayne. I am not buying that at all. Otherwise, he wouldn't have fucking tried to kill Bruce Wayne. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. He does not yeah. know. Uh, he doesn't know. But oh. there's this one moment that I thought was so fucking incredible in this movie is when they're first talking and he starts saying Bruce Wayne, and you can see like the, there was all this like anger, and they're talking about masks, right? They're talking about like I can be who I really am with the mask, but like as soon as even with that mask on, this is what Pattinson does so well. As soon as he starts saying Bruce Wayne and he thinks the jig is up, he thinks he fucking Riddler knows who he is. You can see his fucking face, the way he fucking – his shoulders aren't like up. Like he's got his so- shoulders slouched. He looks almost defeated like, oh my god. You know, he he every, it's up. He knows. And – and he thinks that he, it's this fear. He's got this fear in him that he thinks that the Riddler knows who he is. And the whole time Riddler's talking about like the masks and I can be who I am when I have the mask on. And the same thing with you. You're that person in the mask. And Riddler doesn't even realize in that moment where he's saying Bruce Wayne that, that, that he's basically at that time, it's like he stripped Batman of his power, right? of his anonymity yeah. and it's so fucking cool. And then when Batman, when, when Bruce realizes that, you know, when he starts going into like, you know, that was the one that got away, I, I, I you know, blah, blah, blah. Then you kind of see him kind of like, you know, fucking like grab his balls again. Like, okay, shit, you know, okay, I'm back in this. I don't have to worry that he knows that I'm Bruce. I mean, that, yeah. that scene was amazing. It was because every time he said Bruce Wayne, you felt like, oh, he's just reeling him in and just to, 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 to say as if I don't know who you are. And then all of a sudden go, well, actually, I do know. You just, you felt very on edge. Yeah. You could feel Batman's tension in that one. That was, uh, yeah. But it, I think it's through that I, scene and seeing the followers that the Riddler has got mm-hmm. that Batman and Bruce Wayne kind of realize that we aren't that much different. And I think. If you start to feel that Bruce regains a little bit of his humanity. Yes. Yes. That there's a human, he rediscovers his own humanity. It's almost like a renew, the whole theme of renewal does tend to run through this whole movie, I think. And he basically refines his humanity through everything that's happened rather than. Yeah. The movie did a really good job as far as pinpointing certain characters and showing their evolution over time. Like um, you just mentioned um, the Riddler's follower and how he was just a disgruntled guy that was in the the funeral. And you can see his progression into imitating Batman at the very end by claiming to be vengeance mm. himself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the skyscraper where they meet Batman's like half finished. Everything is that, that whole renewal business is it's definitely a theme to the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, and I kind of love, like, the tail of the tape type of thing. Like, if you look at Paul Dano and Robert Pattinson, it's like, oh, it's no physical match. But it wasn't about that. It was all about, like, Paul Dano kind of had him even towards the end. Like, 
mentally he was the superior. Like he didn't care about like, oh, can I best him in a fist fight? Yeah. Like I will beat you any step I can because like mentally I have the superior edge and I I love that. Like Batman doesn't always need to have like a physically superior foe. Like it can totally be a mentally one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We find out he's a forensic accountant. You know, it's like I feel like he treated it. He treated the, this like a like like a like a like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign where it's like. He, he's like, he's like the mental guy, the, the, the strategist, you know, and then, but he had to yeah. get, he had to get the tank, you know, he had to get the muscle. So, you know, when you're, when you're forming, this, this had to, go ahead. No, go ahead, man. I was going to say, this has to be probably the only Batman movie where he doesn't get like lay a finger on his arch nemesis, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a really bad point. Yeah. Yeah. Did did anybody else when they lifted it up when 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 we when they lifted up that uh um that gate or whatever that's fucking uh, uh that reveals you know Paul Dano without the mask on did anybody else get where's Waldo vibes with his Totally. <laughs> 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 Have you been in the stripes? Oh my yeah, God. yeah. He's was, got that Waldo look for sure. I know. I was thinking. I was like. I was thinking. Is this his Waldo cosplay? I was like, oh, there he is. Um, Found you, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, I, I think. I think Paul Dano fucking killed it as as Riddler. I really do. I, I think. Mm. I think he fucking. I think his. Jake, what did you think about Paul Dano, dude? I, I loved him. I thought he killed it too. I, I, I'm really excited that he's potentially not, not a one and done character that we left him a little bit open ended and yeah. very well may see him again. Um, I also think I really enjoy what you were saying about seeing Batman being scared about the jig being up. I yeah. thought that also kind of played out in the scene where there was the, uh, password blocked video and what potentially it could play. It seemed like there was a little bit of fear that his identity could be re- revealed in that video as well. Yeah. Yes, seemed, that's what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, he just seemed very on edge of, of the Riddler's capabilities. And I thought the scene where Gordon is forced to email the pictures to all the different media outlets was a great establishing scene that this guy could very quickly, with a piece of information, get that information out to everyone. Yeah. And I think that added to the fear. I mean, Batman was right there seeing that happen on the computer, too. So I, I think in the back of his mind, he knows if this guy knows my identity, it's he's probably already got it planned to where everyone else is going to know it, too. So I thought it was very subtle and not like over the top establishing like that kind of dominance as far as cyberspace goes. And I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Daniel was great. I thought we saw just the right amount of them. I love that. Like you guys said, how they never actually had physical contact, but it was still very much a battle. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was just fucking great. Um, I love the costume too. I love the stuff he said about um, the Saran wrap was the actor's idea to put that on his head. So he wouldn't leave as many like traces and, and whatnot. And I read that they would in between takes take his helmet off and he would just be tomato red in the face from having that saran wrap wrapped around his head the entire time. And uh, he actually warned cosplayers and, and Halloween people to not go the saran wrap <laughs> way when emulating yeah. his costume. In the, so hopefully <laughs> yeah. in the, in the, in the video. Oh, when he, when he sent, yeah, he like the video, um, uh, at the end, that final video that he sent out to like his followers, one of the comments on there was like, don't forget the cling, the cling wrap. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I picked up on all those comments um, like the second time I saw it, and I, I thought that was that was really brilliant. That, yeah. yeah. Don't forget it. Oh, you can get this helmet at this you know surplus store, and yeah, just yeah. helping everyone helping nailing the cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> it was like an instructional manual on the side over there. Yeah, I, and one thing that's frustrating about Batman movies, um, and that kind of frustrates me about the Nolan movies is. Um, for the most part, we just completely move on to a new rogues gallery every movie. And I, I really hope that, I mean, obviously I want to see new and more, but I really hope that we're still going to see more Riddler right away in the second movie. I'm, or at least I'm, in some form in the HBO Max shows. I'm hoping that we see Riddler by, I think, I hope he comes back by the third movie. I want to see, I don't want to see Joker next movie. I don't want to see Riddler next movie. I want to see a completely different villain. In the next I don't one. ever want to see the Joker, to be honest. I, I'm right there with Tristan. Hmm. Yeah. I'm over it. I mean, it. it was Barry Keegan is playing the Joker in this one, and I don't know how he can be in the Marvel. <laughs> he can be. He's the one in the Eternals. He's Druig in the Eternals. Yeah, that is. So. Listen, so I, don't, I don't know if, if Marvel and DC share their stars. <laughs> I found I found out how you pronounce his name because I said Kogan and you said Keegan. I, I yeah. listen. I, I'm going to play this video. Hold on. It says how to pronounce Barry, and then his last name. Hold on. I'm going to play this. We are looking at how to pronounce these name as well as how to say more interesting but often confusing Irish names in particular celebrity names. So make sure to stay tuned to the channel. How do you say it? Barry Keon. Barry Keon. Many say Kogan. That's not correct at all. Barry Keon. Barry Keon. And now you know more. Barry Keon is how you pronounce Keon. it. It's like the G is silent. <laughs> yeah. Like I've been calling him. I called him Barry Keegan and then I called him Barry Kogan because another video said to say Kogan. And like this guy, he's like, listen, you're all fucking, <laughs> you're all wrong. It's Barry Keon. <laughs> Barry Keon. I'm sure about um about Dano's name, I, I just saw an interview with him where he said it rhymes with Drano, and he himself said it was Dano, and I was like, okay, finally. I okay, know. it's Paul Dano. Okay, Paul Dano. Yeah, he says rhyme it with yeah. Drano. That's from his mouth, <laughs> his mouth himself, so it's got to be right. Yeah, but I would, I would be perfectly fine with the Joker just staying in Arkham and maybe pulling some strings from there, but I really hope we don't get another joker centric movie in this series. <laughs> well, you're Thank you, Tristan. Well, yeah, that's I not agree, but that's not going to happen. I mean, well, I think it would be fantastic to keep building up the Rogues Gallery and then later on have something like a storyline like like Hush or something, you know, where he has to deal with like kind of a, a gauntlet, like run through like a gauntlet of different villains. So it wouldn't necessarily be Joker specific, but he'd definitely be Joker would be on the table for someone that he could have to go through. Let me actually, I'll, let me get to this here. I was gonna save it for later, but they, they had, uh, there was an article, uh, Collider put out, and it said, uh, the Batman, uh, Matt Reeves is interested in including a grounded Mr. Freeze in potential sequels. Oh, that makes me so happy. It says director Matt Reeves recently spoke at a press event that Collider was a part of and explained how he was drawn towards a more grounded interpretation of the comics. But that isn't to say that the more fantastical villains couldn't get involved with one particularly cold character, seemingly a favorite of his. He said, 
in my view, I just feel drawn to finding the grounded version of everything. So to me, it would be a challenge and an interesting way to try and figure out how that could happen. Even the idea of something like Mr. Freeze, that's such a great story, right? I think there's actually a grounded version of that story, which could be really powerful and could be really great. So I love the fantastical side of Batman. But this iteration, obviously, while being, to me, I think it is very comics faithful, but I don't think that this one is necessarily, it doesn't lean as hard into the fantastical, I guess. But I think, to me, what would be interesting would be to try and unwind the fantastical and see, well, how could we make how could that make sense here? And so that's kind of my my view, how I see it. So I, that's what I I think a Mister Freeze villain would be uh, awesome in the second movie, and then you, yeah. like maybe in in the third movie you could come back to like a Riddler, and then if you're gonna have to introduce the Joker again, do it. Here's the thing with the Joker: it's like that is his main villain, but I understand it's like it's it's gonna be so hard to top what Ledger and Nicholson have done for us in the past that it's like Phoenix too, Phoenix as well. It's gonna be so hard to top what those guys did. And for as much as I think Barry Keown's a great actor, I I wasn't. I'll, we'll t- we'll talk about that end scene later. But it, I do think that there, he's got such a great rogues gallery. I mean, there's so many other villains that we could introduce into, into this. Yeah, hundreds. I really like the idea of doing the Court of Owls stuff next. And I, I think that is an, but wasn't this, into- wasn't this like a Court of Owls story where like, think about it, Jake, if they do that story in the next movie, it's almost like the same thing that they did here, that this whole time there's been like this underground element that's been controlling the city, and that was Falcone here, and basically that's the same story as the Court of Owls. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but I I think you can peel back more layers, and to me, I'm just more interested in the politics and the Gotham City and the police of it all than I am in just whatever the next Batman villain is. We're going to get a whole series about that show. I'm just saying. Yeah, I I know, but I still hope it all ties into what's going on in the next movies. I'm just saying that like, I love court of owls, but I think, I think they kind of blew their load with this movie. Like we find out that Falcone for the last, you know, 20 years or so has been in control of everything unbeknownst to everybody else who thinks it's like, oh, no, you know, the mayor is in charge of everything. And and we find out the election means nothing because Falcone is still in power. And that's that's basically the same story as the Court of Owls is like they've been controlling everything in Gotham and Batman had no idea that this had been going on. Yeah, I like I was telling Stephen Farshin, like as opposed to the Joker ending in the cell i would have much preferred like to see some scientist working in a lab with like it being flooded and him losing his wife and blaming batman like and us getting like a victor freeze type of like revenge plot like i love i like i had no idea matt reeves said that about like the dr free like the mr freeze thing i would love to see reeves take on on you know like the whole freeze but yeah, like I agree with Tristan. The, the whole Joker thing is is played out, and yeah, like I remember reading the articles about the Court of Owls. But then Brian, when you said it, like it was like everyone who was elite was part of this whole little like scheme or gang with Falcone, where it took away like oh, I don't I don't think I need to see the Court of Owls because that's kind of what it is, right? Yeah. They yeah. could still kind of do a portion of the of the Court of Owls and like bring in Talon and, and some of that back history with it. Um, it. It feels like they might be setting up for like a no man's land type thing also 
with the city being flooded. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I, I agree with you there. I definitely see that. And I think that's probably going to be what he's going to be pulling from in the sequel, I would imagine. Especially, well, like now that you say that Penguin's getting a series, I hope the Penguin series isn't just all No Man's Land. I would love to see No Man's Land be the second movie. Like, I would love to see the Emperor Penguin storyline be on the big screen and not just on HBO Max. It feels like if the Penguin show is taking place immediately after this movie that we're going to get through the uh, No Man's Land, Waterlogged Gotham stuff within that series. Like, yeah, I can't imagine whole, if... the whole gang wars type of thing, which was the coolest part of No Man's Land. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how much money they're putting into that series. I bet a lot after after the success of Peacemaker. I bet HBO really sees dollars in their eyes when it comes to these... Uh, HBO Max DC limited series. How do you guys think they're going to utilize Batman in that series? Just as a shadow or just mentioning his name like every now and then? I think he'll Very be sparingly. Yeah. I thought, I don't think he'll be showing up in it. Um, but I do. Yeah. I think it, when you're talking about like his name will pop up, I, I do think that that'll be something that'll happen in the show. Definitely. I like, I do hope to God, like the, like the James Gordon, show like about the cops is literally like taken from brew breakers gcpd of like a new force trying to do better than the batman but yeah totally that's what i hope it is but who knows let's take a quick break let's take a quick break we'll come back we'll talk a little bit more about the batman Don't join the Pop Culture Leftovers Patreon. We will eat both of your arms and then both of your legs. And then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. Head over to Patreon.com and join now for only $6 a month. All right, hey, we are back. Um... What did you guys, I know you, some of you talked about it earlier. I think Jake brought it up. Um, but, uh, the, maybe Martha was insta, was institutionalized. And we find that out in this movie. And that's something that I believe has been done in the comics before. I think it was, I, was it Earth Zero? I can't, I, I can't remember what comic line it actually comes from, but I know it's, they've done something like this in the comics before. Wasn't that in the Flashpoint where in that version she becomes the Joker? Yeah, and it's also in Court of Owls where we find out she had to be institutionalized because one of the Court of Owls she was told was a child she was carrying and was in a car accident. And then she had to be institutionalized for a while because she was kind of losing her wits about it. In this version, was it her mother that had mental illness and and killed her father? Is that what they said? Yeah, I think that's what they said. Well, her mother. Yeah, they said that. Uh, yeah. They said that the the uh, the mother um, killed the father and then killed herself. Do you think that they're trying to draw kind of like this, I don't know, parallel between his mother's mental illness and then the way that 
And then, and do you think that Bruce is going to see himself actually like having this built into him as well? Kind of like, do you think this is something that he's concerned about now after, after hearing this? It would be an interesting angle to see them take in in a second movie is like Bruce kind of questioning his own mental stability and, you know, dressing up like a bat and beating the shit out of people every night. Right. Right. You know, think about it. Like, and it's sometimes like in this movie, like we've seen him go a little overboard, right? I mean, yep. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all overboard, all of it. Like he's a vigilante, you know, it's all yeah. overboard. And it makes me wonder, like, if Matt Reeves is introducing that kind of like, you know, story into this with, with his mother having this, you know, mental illness, like is, and you know, there was a lot of like, uh, you know, with the, with the Riddler, like the sins of the father and stuff like that, making connections with the parents it makes me wonder if like in the next movie, we're going to see them, him try to connect the dots between like the mental illness and, and Bruce, maybe Bruce struggling with that. Do I suffer from this? You know, is that why I'm doing what I'm doing? Is that why I'm so, you know, hell bent on, on doing all this? I, I don't know. It just, there's a lot of things that could come of that. Could there be like a, a moment where like, he's like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to retire. This is not good. This isn't healthy, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It, it just seems like it was something that they brought up that he brought up in this movie for a specific reason that he wants to use later on down the road. I think so. Yeah, I mean, the I way hope. that Bruce wailed on that last, um, uh, follower of the Riddler. The way he pounded his face was just... Yeah, I don't think he would have stopped, Kay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, is that he felt like he was a little bit unhinged at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I feel that um, it's also just a good wink and nod to the fans to, to show that there's a history of mental illness on his mother's side and kind of paint a, a clearer picture of Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what would be kind of cool is I'm thinking to a series where, like, Bruce Wayne had Leslie Tompkins, like that doctor. Like, what if she's kind of brought up in the movie, but not like as someone who treats his physical wounds, but like Bruce Wayne is like seeing a therapist to deal with this shit. And it's like Leslie Tompkins as like his therapist. Like, yeah, but how could you, how could you even, I mean, when you're seeing a therapist and stuff like that, you're supposed to like, open up and tell them everything. And I feel like it just defeats the whole purpose of therapy. If, if, if she doesn't know that he is the Batman, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, like, that, I only say Leslie the plot of Sopranos, you know, well, like, yeah, well, exactly. And I only say Leslie Tompkins cause she knew Bruce Wayne was Batman. Yeah. That would be interesting though, Paul, if they did, if they did do that, if they, but it's like, I mean, this movie was already three hours, and now we got fucking therapy sessions. So I don't. <laughs> it's gonna be a seven-hour experience. I do hope they incorporate the stuff with his mom in further ways in in further movies. I thought that was quite an interesting plot bomb to drop in the movie, and it, it would be a shame if it was just nothing more than that. If we're not going to further explore, you know, what that does to his thought process later right. on being Batman, I. Otherwise, it just seems like a big waste of time. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it. I think it's. I think it's gonna. I definitely think it's gonna come back in like the the next movie. That's something they gotta explore. You just can't bring that up and then him not him not question that and try to. You know, this is all this is all new news to him. He didn't know this. It was like this. He was a child. He didn't. He had no idea that this was all going on. He, it was like this this veil of like 
his, that his parents were perfect and he, and now he's starting to like the seams are coming apart and he's seeing like, you know, his family wasn't so perfect. I mean, you know, his, I, his, I think Alfred needs to give him more truth bombs too. Like a lot of the stuff you're describing about him, like learning, it would be great to have that come from, from Alfred to establish their bond, to let some of that information come from him after the fact. Yeah. It's like, yeah. What's happened to that trust though? You know, at this point, like where, are we, where are we in the second movie with his relationship with Alfred? Because like Alfred sounds like Alfred's been kind of like the keeper of the secrets here, you know? And it's, <laughs> Alfred knew all this stuff, never told him. Yeah, exactly. I think Alfred needs to like release the dam and like just tell Bruce everything that he knows so they can repair that relationship and move on. I feel like a lot of that came out though. I don't want to see that in between movies. Yeah. A lot of it came out, but there's, there's gotta be more like just about, you know, how his parents were and, and I don't know. There's gotta be more, especially knowing what you know about his mom now. Well, and with it saying that his mom was an Arkham and, you know, the Arkhams and the Waynes were part of these founding families of Gotham that could play into like a Court of the Owls or Court of Owls type storyline, too. It could play into another villain that knew his mother during her time there. Another villain could have spent time with her and, you know, I mean, he could he could uh, come across another villain that might you know, tell him things about his mother that he didn't know. Yeah. I could see like the scarecrow being slotted into that position. I just, I I really don't. Yeah. I, I personally, I I don't think we're going to get court of owls guys. I think this movie just, I think this movie kind of just, it knocked that off. We can't do that because it's too, it's too close to, well, I just wonder if an angle just, just to bring in some of the mythology of it, but you know, not really tread on the the plot devices that they did in this one. Yeah, because there's still some, there's still quite a bit of meat left on the bone in Court of Owls, and also the Talon as a villain is really really cool in the way that it just ties back into Gotham. I totally get what you're saying because it is a very similar plot that they did yeah, in this one. I, I just think there's at that at that. <laughs> at this time, you're just trying to shoehorn that in because we've got all this other stuff going on. So, yeah, I can see what you're saying. It kind of feels like just a bigger Death Star at this point. Like if all you're doing is saying like, (laughs) well, behind Falcone is actually this bigger guy pulling the strings. Like you can only do that so many times before you like lose all drama from it. Like if there's always going to be that bigger secret person pulling the strings, how many times can you peel that layer back? Yeah, we get it, Qui-Gon. There's always a bigger fish. Okay, we get it. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. I. I don't have Court of Owls off the table. You have made me feel a little bit more disinterested in it, but I, I still really feel like there's a good chance they could go 100% in that direction. Yeah, it just seems too similar to what we got in this movie. I would love Court of Owls, Jake, but I just don't think it's the follow-up to this movie. No, I get that. I, and I, I you kind of convinced me on it, but I, I still really feel like there's a, a heavy chance they may lean that way. We'll see. We'll see. I think they can take elements of that story, but as far as like incorporating the owls and Talon and all uh, Talon and all this other stuff, I just don't see it. Um, do you think that, uh, do you guys think that there was a lot of that, that Matt Reeves pulled a lot of the Nolan stuff into this as well? I mean, what way? 
Um, the, you know, like the viral videos and stuff like that. That You know, we saw the viral video of the Joker from in the, in the dark night. And then we got the viral videos here and very, you know, kind of the Joker, the way he would talk, you know, in those videos, very menacing and the murderers, the murders that he would, you know, the uh, uh, people that he was torturing and stuff like that. And we saw that torture scene. And then in this one, of course, we get we see Commissioner Savage and he's got like the rat trap on his head and all that stuff. Very similar to like what Nolan did in in the dark night. And then also like the big third act scene where it's like in the Nolan movies at the very end, you've got, um, you know, big explosions, uh, you know, a part of the city that's, uh, or even in the third one, you know, dark night rises, the, all of Gotham is basically like blocked in and, and, and the, and the, and then Bane is just going to watch the whole city just fucking, you know, fall apart and, and them kind of like, uh, take over the city and uh and in this one it's like you know we get the big explosions um the flood and uh as opposed to like batman watching it in a screen you know um you know underground we get the riddler uh watching it on tv in a jail cell and it just felt i'm saying yeah, i see what you're saying i yeah. think it's more of a trope for just comic book movies and action movies in general than like an actual callback to the stuff nolan did i think it's just easy to fall into those kind of tropes especially yeah, think, in the third act yeah i think with the maybe the the flood maybe echoes a little bit of nolan but i think viral videos is pretty much the way we consume media these days i think it's just more a reflection of this is how we do it it's just the way that the riddler kind of came off in the video um you know uh it just reminded me of how menacing and dark you know heath ledger was and how impactful that scene was in the dark night. And it felt like they did the kind of like the same thing here. And I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying it should have been taken out of the movie. I'm not saying it's like a total ripoff of Nolan. Like this is not as overt as I feel like the, like the Fincher, like the seven stuff is in my opinion. You know, the fact that like most of the movie it's raining just like in seven. Um, but I just thought there was like, you know, there's, you can draw parallels to the Nolan movies with that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, one one scene I did think of, The Dark Knight for sure, and I don't even think there's anything of what you're going on, but, like, the whole nightclub scene when uh, Batman busts in on Eric Roberts' Falcone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, man, this seemed like this is such a better way to do it than The Dark Knight, like, because we got more action, but, like, it totally reminded me of when Batman busts in on Falcone, just like he did the Penguin at the nightclub. No, uh, Eric Roberts played Maroney, didn't he? Maroney, I'm sorry. Yeah. He played Maroney. I, like, I, yeah, no, I'm sorry. But just the way, you know, he comes to a nightclub to get information from a mob leader, just like he did. That's your, no. Penguin. I agree. I feel like that's another kind of like Nolan-esque kind of thing that he kind of maybe used in this, that you can kind of like draw parallels between those two. I agree with you. Yeah. Huh. Um, favorite scenes. Did I mean, is there stuff that I'm leaving out? Do you have any like favorite scenes that we didn't bring up that you guys are, you know, things that, that you saw in this movie, different, maybe performances that you guys want to highlight? I really, there were some moments that just really stuck out to me. Like, like, I, I hated the kiss between Catwoman and Batman. I really wish they just played on the subtlety of their attraction for each other and just kept it at that. 
but just like even just moments when they're when he's holding her quiet while the security guards in the background like that's like more powerful than a, a blatant kiss in my opinion um the moments that they had on the top of the roof was just so artistic and just looked like it was right out of a comic book that mm. you know i really love those scenes as well dude the the fucking uh voice message that we got to listen to when annika is fucking killed mm. oh yeah oh yeah that's- And then they were like, oh, let's play. I couldn't believe they played it again on TV with the scream. I I was cracking up at how willing the uh, Gotham News was to play any graphic content they got in throughout the entire movie. No shit. At least three moments in the movie where they're apologizing for what they're about to show you. I'm like, man, Gotham News Channel does not give a fuck. After that, they fucking showed the Pam and Tommy tape, dude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Film 11. Fuck, man. Yeah, that really cracked me up how willing they were to show violence on the fucking public news. Yeah, that was nuts, dude. I really loved the scene between Batman and Gordon when Batman's expl- or when Gordon's telling Batman how to get out of the police station. I thought it, it was just such yeah. great acting and chemistry between the two. Yeah, uh, every time I see that scene, I like it more. The way like gordon is talking in between like moving his head to not make it obvious that he's having any kind of conversation like that like we gotta get you out of here outside the window it it was so good that was good that was good and i felt that it was (laughs) i chuckled to myself like thinking why are the cops shooting at batman when he's fleeing (laughs) like it just seemed like a blatant uh disregard of, of basics uh constitutional rights they're just shooting this guy as he's running away (laughs) (laughs) i know this film is super realistic when he fucking went full like when he when he busts out the glider and he jumps off the building um i i love that scene where he just fucking he lets the shoot go as he goes under the underpass and he thinks he's just gonna like grab onto the back of that semi and just hold on and he just fucking hits he, he the 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 ceiling of the underpass. He fucking hits his head and then goes rolling. And then when he gets up, he's all wobbly and shit. I was like, oh my god, this is <laughs> yeah, great. Just, very flawed. I just heard Peter Griffin going, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he eats it hard. I, yeah, I like the way they shot that too. That you could tell that he was going incredibly fast when he was doing that wingsuit. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, I love the the, the POV shot was incredible when they first started showing yes. it. There was a bunch of great POV shots, the flying, the motorcycle. I thought they used a lot of the POV shots really well. But yeah, the the camera lingering for those extra 3-4 seconds when he's crash landed, I thought was just perfect. Like you don't see that in too many superhero movies just like being that aware at how much that messed him up right then and there. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, where, I want to see the rest of that though. Like, where did he walk to? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I kept it, it, it went so viral the scene where uh, Pattinson crashed his motorcycle. Like, I saw that clip so many. Wasn't times. that the like, stunt guy though? I thought it was him. I thought it was the stunt guy that got injured in that scene, and that was at the that was because it was rainy and it was the final shot. It of was the, movie. the final shot. Like I was wait I, for a while. I was like, "Oh, it's not going to be in the movie," and then it was the final motorcycle shot. I chuckled at that shot too, and I remembered that, and I thought about it, like <laughs> the video is fantastic because it seems <laughs> like they're going so slow. 
And it's like, and it just dumps. <laughs> yeah. They should do like Jackie Chan movies where at, like at the end of the Batman movie, we see all the, all the flub ups, all, all the stunt mess ups and everything. <laughs> I tried to look up Batman stuntman injured and it talks about Burt Ward accidentally. Burt Ward, who played Robin in the Adam West series, they, they, Burt Ward did a lot of his own stunt work while filming the Batman TV show and movie and suffered several injuries as a result. In one incident, Ward was in a side, in the sidecar of the Bat Cycle when it flew off a pier. Oh my god! <laughs> I know. <laughs> It says Burt Ward went to the hospital a lot while filming Batman. Wow. <laughs> That's dedication. Yeah. They did not give a fuck about hurting kids back in the days. <laughs> during, listen to this. During one stunt in which Wes stuntman was driving the Batmobile, Ward was nearly thrown out of the car at 55 miles per hour. Oh. I instinctively <laughs> threw my arm back and managed to catch my little finger around the gear shift knob, which pulled it right out of the joint, but kept me in the car. Even with the glove on, my hand was twice the size. It was an incredible, I was an incredible pain. Oh my God. Right. Yeah, you are right, Brian. It was his stunt double. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do have a question. Is there any chance that that one, I believe, like, I don't know if it was the mayor's kid or the commissioner's son that he kept staring at, like, you know, feeling remorse for? Is there a chance that kid becomes Robin? Oh God. I kept thinking to myself, like, as soon as he looked at that kid, I was like, he's going to hand him, like, a Robin application or something. Like, <laughs> I, I, I honestly think... His mom is still alive, so he, may, maybe not. I think in this day and age, Paul, like, they're not going to have a child Robin, but maybe later on down the road, once he's more of an adult, if he kind of goes... I don't. I don't think they're gonna have. I don't think they're gonna be doing oh. child robins. Um, I, I agree with you on that. Like, if we find out Chris O'Donnell's cast in the next movie, we know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Like, I just kept thinking, like, oh shit, dude, because like Robert Pattinson has said in interviews, like he would love to see a Robin in future movies. I'm like, oh shit, are they setting this up with this kid? Yeah. When uh, at the end, when. Uh, Catwoman talked about going to Bloodhaven. I was just thinking about Nightwing, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and I know besides like the big, you know, stunt like malfunction. I did. I love that final scene where they take separate paths, where she goes one way and he goes back to Gotham on his motorcycle, where they're going through the cemetery first. Yeah. I, I thought that scene was fantastic. It's a classic who's going to look back first scene. Like, that's definitely what I was thinking in my seat. Like, which one of these characters is going to look back to see the other one going away? Yeah. It'd be cool if, like, in the second movie they show us that, but from her point of view, and we see her look back as well. There was a couple really cool moments like that in the movie. I thought um, when in the third act when he's fighting all the uh, Riddler goons on top of the scoreboard, I thought that movie did a good job of establishing that either Gordon or Selena could show up to save him. And I was actually like wondering which one of these two characters is going to show up and get him out of this predicament. Mm -hmm. It felt like uh, one of the reasons it felt like they needed to go the three hours was because it felt like it's definitely a Batman movie, but in certain parts of the movie, he's either with Gordon or he's with, Catwoman, right? I mean, 
Mm-hmm. There's many established scenes where he's just he's hanging out with Gordon to working on the case. And then there's other scenes where he's partnered up with Catwoman in this. And it felt like in order to give those two characters enough time in this movie that I feel like that's kind of like where a lot of the <laughs> where where we get to that 3 hours is cuz you know, he was partnered up with both of them. It wasn't like he was just with Gordon or it was like it, it, He's partnered up with somebody in this movie for for a lot of the film, and and yeah, I think it added onto that you know nearly three hour <laughs> time length of this film. That makes a lot of sense because it's almost like two sidekick arcs. Y- yes, instead of instead mm-hmm. of the, the normal just one. Yeah, yeah. I've never really thought about that because there's never a time where all the three of them are together. After my first viewing, I was like, man, this is this is like this is a. This is a Batman and Catwoman movie. And then when I watched it again, I was like, no, this is a, this is a Batman or Jim Gordon movie. And then by the third time, I'm like, oh my God, this is like, this is, there's like, they both get a lot of time with Batman in this movie. Cause there's a good stretch of the movie where we don't have Catwoman around, but it's him working with Gordon. So yeah, it's wild, man. It's wild. Three hours, man. I, the first time we watched it, I felt like it felt, I think every time I watched it, it felt like it went, it moved a little faster every time. I don't know about you guys, but I've had the opposite effect. Actually, I, the first time I watched it, I barely noticed it was three hours. And then every time I've seen it since it's gotten a little bit longer to me. Hmm. See, I'm the opposite when it comes to movies. Cause like the first time I feel it feels longer the first time. Cause I'm trying to like absorb everything. And then the second time I can just kind of like relax and it all just comes to me. Cause I've already seen it. I know the beats and stuff and I know where it's going to go. I just guess I'm I know the first that time that I watched it, I was hanging on like every word and, you know, I was just really interested to see where it was going to go and that three hours just flew by. But I did notice in the subsequent viewing that since I know where it's going to go, it drags a little bit. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah. I'm opposite when it comes to movies, though, When it, with that kind of stuff. It feels like. Every time I watch the movie first, like whether it's like Endgame or whatever, or like the Spider-Man No Way Home, it feels like the second, third viewings are always faster. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, if there were a longer cut of this released, would would anybody be excited to see that? I'd I'd be stoked to get more of this. I'd, yeah, I'd like to watch it at it. home. Yeah, I want to see it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I want to see season one of the Batman. <laughs> if they did it like, uh, you know, kind of like how Tarantino did with uh, – uh, with the hateful eight, yeah, on Netflix when they released it in like five or six parts or four, four parts or whatever it was, I, I'd, I'd be down for that. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna get the 4K when it gets released, no question. This I feel that would do it. In, it would do it injustice to see it at a lower resolution, you know. So. I feel that extra hours just gonna answer a lot of these questions that we have. Yeah, well, it's gonna be Batman just waiting in line to get into that club to beat up the <laughs> <laughs> eight eight more punches for the twins. <laughs> He's just gonna be waiting in line behind the red rope, <laughs> talking to <with> the accountants. <laughs> Do you know who I am? Here's these pie graphs, Mister Wayne. Damn it! <laughs> Putting icy hot on his back after he gets back from that wingsuit fight. <laughs> what did you think about the the Coulson neck bomb scene? Um, it felt oh, I like something out of um, Saw. Uh, yes, out of Saw. 
Yeah, it was like, I don't know. I, it, first off, it was, it was just cool. Like we knew something was going to happen. I mean, there are people acting like really fucking shady in there, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you start hearing people screaming outside. It's like, I didn't know what, the, I didn't know what the fuck was happening. Like, and nobody else there knew what was happening. And, and Bruce is realizing that he's not in his fucking bat suit, you know, and it's, and, and then, uh, then you see this fucking car just, flying through there i what i did love about this scene another thing i liked about the scene is the fact that bruce ran towards the kid and rescued him got him out of the way i was like that's that's a bruce wayne move i love that um but yeah when he comes out of the car when he comes out of the car and that the lady goes you got a bomb <laughs> i was just like <laughs> i was like holy shit and then it gets real quiet we hear the ring and people people freak out because they think that the explosion might even happen in that moment but um he has has anybody gone to the uh to the uh Rattalata website and done the and done the uh um yeah it's like it's like it's like a Riddler website and he gives you riddles and you have to answer the riddles. Have any of you guys gone there and done them? I didn't even think to go and check. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty neat. It's actually different whether you do it on phone or PC. It's actually a completely different experience. It, it does different images if you do it on mobile. Uh, hmm. well, like, what did you get when you went to your mobile? I'm just curious. Uh, if you go to the mobile, it just does like a, uh, a sequence, like a, and then you click something like get your prize and you see one picture, like a red lit picture of some of his encrypted stuff. Not all the time. To- it depends on, I guess it, it doesn't do that all the time. I went to the, I went on my mobile, um, and it had me answer the riddles on my mobile. So it just depends. Okay, it, it was only do that if I went to it on my PC mm. that I would get the riddles. I got go the riddles. I got the riddles on my phone, but I they were I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that it was only the, that they were giving you the riddles on the phone the day that it was like released in theaters. So I don't know. Um, but after okay, you, yeah, I'm not I'm not 100 on, on how that works. Mm-hmm. I had thought it was just a uh, this is how it works on mobile, this is how it works on PC thing. That's interesting. But if you answer all three, then it takes you to another screen where you have to enter in um, uh, a password, and then once you enter in the password, it takes you. You're able to download like a zip file, and it's like the it's the full Thomas Wayne campaign ad. Well, looking and, at it on my PC now, I get the red a red picture with all the symbols on it. So. Yeah, so it 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 just depends. I guess I don't know if it's the time of day or something, Jake. When you go to that website or not, I don't know how that works. Why you get? Yeah, why that's you, interesting. I I did it at the same time. Like I I did both at the same time, one after the other, mm-hmm. and haven't revisited it since. I did Google what the answers for the riddles were. Yeah, yeah, I did too. <laughs> I got the, I got the, I got the first I'm not one right. Sit here and be like, oh, I'm also the world's greatest. Oh, so your superhero yeah. name's gonna be the cheater. <laughs> I got the, I got the, I got the first one right by myself, and then the second one, I was just like, I don't fuck it, no. And I, I gave, I gave the wrong answer, and then I had to look them up, but. Yeah. Yeah, they ask you if Thomas Wayne is a great man, and it'll like give you different answers depending on what you say. 
the yeah. campaign seeing the campaign video was pretty neat too it was like uh you you don't see any riddler but you hear like the breathing and stuff oh, that's creepy well and uh you know they, they you're looking in the riddler's apartment and first off all his notebooks are just it's just it, that's pulled straight from like seven you know what i mean oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, it also means he was logging just like Batman was logging as well. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's cool. Um, but oh god, what was I gonna say? Oh, he's got the pictures of um, you know Thomas Wayne when he goes to the orphanage and everything. But you can see you know the the boy with the glasses behind him looking at the camera, and that's that's supposed to be the Riddler there as a young boy. And he's in the same shot. He's in the same picture, the same photo with Bruce with next to his parents. Oh, that's really cool. I've read that there's potential that they're going to do more with the website stuff, too, that they're not quite done with it yet. Well, that website's been up since December. And so, you know, fans have been every day going to that website uh, in in December and deciphering the letters and so that way they could figure out like what the what it, and it said remember to drink your Ovaltine is what they figured out. <laughs> but yeah. Riddler did look like Ralphie when he was a little kid. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Just give him his BB gun. Yeah. Did anyone stay to the very end of the credits? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I ran away all three times. Did you? <laughs> yeah. I I saw what it was. I, I was like, I don't need to see that. These are long credits. <laughs> Joe <laughs> told me not to stay, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see? Exactly. Well, we got up, and the guy next to me was like, man, that was some bullshit. I can't believe we stayed around for that. I'm like, that was what I thought, too, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I missed anything. No. no, it just says goodbye. I think it's like almost like saying, "Well, you're not getting a post credit like Marvel." You know, <laughs> it's like bye. They should have just had Ferris Bueller say, "You're still here. Go home. <laughs> Go." No, it was. I it, it flashed on the screen goodbye, and then after that, it flashed um, the website, the Rattalata website. And oh, it, we didn't get the DC website. Just, yeah, I wish DC would just stop post credits, like. Just be different in that regard. Like, we don't need it. Like, we don't need that to be an industry standard. They haven't done post-credits, right? I, I kind of don't even count this. No. Um, they did it on the Justice League. Uh, they did it on, or, or what was it, Batman v Superman. They did it on um, a couple other ones as well. <sighs> I forgot that that happened. What was the post credit scene in Batman versus Superman? Lex Luthor, and uh, he was in the south of France, and he gets on the yacht. Yeah, was it? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Deathstroke shows up. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot about the Deathstroke scene. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm putting together my own team. Yeah, <laughs> 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 that was uncanny. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. They they should stand out from the Marvel stuff and just knock it off. Like no post credit anything. I, I'm fine with what they did here. I like the viral website stuff. Uh, I just uh, it. The Joker cell scene just felt like a post-credit scene in the movie. Let's okay. talk about it. Totally. Let's talk about it. I think it was shot as a post-credit scene, and they decided to put it in there. Did you guys? I didn't like it. No, it's the worst scene in the movie. 
Yeah, it didn't really it felt, fit. It, it felt very corporate-influenced. Uh, Force, yes. Yeah, it absolutely is something that could have been cut out. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not excited for... Uh, I gotta play that. I, I can't pronounce his name. Is it Keon? Yeah, Barry Keon. 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 <laughs> I've seen it three times, and all three times were with pat crowds like some of the most pat crowds i've ever seen a movie with and it does not really elicit much of a reaction it's mostly people all three times it was people just kind of shuffling and going oh mm. like it's never like an applause moment or like people like freaking out like yeah. jesus like people applauded more when they saw thanos and they didn't even know who he was at the end of avengers one like, <laughs> it, it just really felt like it hit all three crowds like a big fucking thud like, I've never seen anything quite like it as, as far as opening night crowds go. Yeah, that, that reminds me when I saw Avengers 1, I remember a guy behind me goes, Oh, shit, Super Scroll! <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. He's excited and wrong. <laughs> we had a guy in my theater goes, Oh, my God, the California Raisins! <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what what do you think about that, Brian? I mean, you've seen it multiple times mm-hmm. now. I know our opening night crowd pretty much dudded at that, and I haven't seen – that was probably the strongest reaction I saw of all three times was that opening night crowd. Yeah, my second crowd, I had a, I had a few people, you know, go ooh, but it was not like – it wasn't like a huge, like, huge reveal um, to my crowd. And I, I do think that they kept this – I think you really had to, like, be following – um, all the different like media outlets to know that he was even in this movie and to know that he was going to be playing the Joker. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I, it didn't get me excited. I, I thought, and I thought his laugh was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His voice was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, didn't his yeah, brother spill the beans like, in an interview? Yeah. 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 His brother actually. Yeah. Here's the here's the here's the thing. I got this. This is from IGN, and it says the Batman director Matt Reeves has revealed that he shot fake scenes in order to protect a major reveal that occurs in the movie's final act. Back in August 2020, the YouTube description for the DC fandom trailer for the Batman announced that actor Barry Keon would be playing GCPD officer Stanley Merkel. Later leaked set photographs from the movie set showed Keon seemingly dressed as a cop suggesting he was indeed playing Merkel. But with the release of the Batman, it was revealed that Keon is actually the latest actor to play the Joker. When asked if Warner Brothers was doing everything to make it look as if Barry Keon was playing Stanley Merkel, director Matt Reeves told IGN, yes, that was the point. When you're making a movie like this, you want it to be different. You want people to feel like they're having a special experience. And then for me, when you're going to the cinema, you want some level of surprise. I think one of the things I was worried about was speculation while we were making the movie that we would be exploring the character that we ended up exploring. So we started thinking, what could we do to throw people off that scent? 
this idea of making him Stanley Merkel was exactly that because the police force is actually a big part of the story. So it seemed credible that we could be doing that. Unfortunately for Reeves, it wasn't long until rumors began to spread that Keon was actually the Joker. Keon's brother even confirmed the casting on social media months ahead of the Batman's release. And, you know, I read that story months ago. We, we actually talked about it on the podcast. And so it wasn't a surprise. I was just hoping that if we did get to see it in this movie, that it would be a, a cool moment and that I'd be impressed with his performance. And it was not that at all. I, it was one of the lowest points of the movie. Yeah. You know what it really reminded me of was the way they handled carnage at the end of venom one. Yes. Where they're yes. just like, we have to shoehorn this shit in here. We'll worry yeah. about it sounding and looking and being good next time. But for now, we're just going to quickly put this shit in here. And for now, we're just going to strap a sideshow Bob wig on his head and film this yeah. shit it really had that same exact vibe to me it's like it, even the scene kind of takes place in the same type, kind of place like yeah. I, it was just so shoehorned in and so dumb and such a detractor to me for like everything this movie stood for and what was good about it it was just like oh here's this post-credit scene that's not really a post-credit scene that completely like derails like what we thought about the riddler mm. so yeah. yeah i don't know yeah, I was taken aback by that scene because there's there were so many smart decisions made in that movie, and that scene just felt like it was a novice filmmaker, just a dumb decision that was thrown in there, which is why I can't help but believe that Walter Hamada or WB, someone up the food chain, forced that in there. You can't do Batman without the Joker? What are you doing? Put him in there. Yeah. It was nice to see at the beginning. I don't know, and I know they've been doing this for a while now, but every time I see it uh, in these Batman movies, that they still give credit now to uh, both Bob Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and I like that. I like seeing that Bill Finger. Oh yeah, I love seeing Bill Finger up there. Yeah, yeah. God, it would be such a heel move at this point to take Bill Finger's name off of there. Like everyone's <laughs> so aware of kind of the situation now. I think that. Like, you have to keep the goodwill up or you're a real fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think about the, the thumb drive? Oh, I thought that was funny. I thought that was a great joke. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, man. They had to use it to get past the encryption also. Just yeah. Oh, I love that. Fucking uh, Jeffrey Wright's reaction to that is like, oh, this guy's hilarious. I just... Yeah, Yeah, his reaction was the best part. Both, like, finding out what's going on and seeing what they have to do. Like, he really sold it. Yeah, yeah. What did you think about their detective work? Do you think that they... Do you think that it was... Do you think that... I mean, there's there's even a point where fucking Penguin kind of like mocks him and calls him world's greatest detectives, you know? But I think for the most part, I think he did... I think I think they both did a pretty damn good job. He did get some help from Alfred, but I think I think, I think he did a pretty good job. Especially... Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're not the world's greatest detectives yet. I mean, they're still kind of building up yes. to it. Finding their rhythm, and I like the fact that they didn't get everything right. I think, yeah, I think that goes back to like this being year two, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and like it makes me think of Scott Snyder's zero year, where it's almost like he can't become the world's greatest detective without going toe to toe with the Riddler, who helped kind of get him there. Mm-hmm. You know, to kind of hone his craft, like, oh, I went against the best of the best. Now I'm going to look for all the small things. 
Like, I think it set that up. Yeah, I love that there was detective work, and I thought it was an interesting choice to make them not the best of it. Like, as an audience, there was definitely a few times where you were ahead of both Gordon and Batman with some of the the detective stuff. And I thought that was an on-purpose choice and, and very well done. Mm-hmm. Like it would have been, it would have made no sense, like to just they're the best detectives ever, and every little clue they see, like it, it was fun for the audience to be along for the ride and know that like these things are going to come back, like this instrument is going to come back later to help solve something, or yes, we know, you know, that they're talking about a bat when they're talking about the rat with wings. Like it, it was an interesting choice to put us a few steps ahead of them. I thought it was totally unnecessary for Bruce to make that diagram on his floor when he could have just got a notepad. <laughs> I, I, I thought that, I thought that um, the third time I watched it, I was like, this is a real trailer moment. Like there's really nothing he's doing here other than like making a poster for people to collect later. I thought he was going to light it on fire and we were going to see the crow symbol. well when they showed that moment in the trailer i thought they were kind of leaving off like the end part where like he deduces this thing from what he did like he was going to spray paint some more and the whole audience would be like aha but no the trailer shows the whole scene i think i think i think some of that goes back to like what Kay was talking about how they always are comparing him to the riddler because the riddler underneath the carpet had like his whole plan you know yes 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 yeah yeah, I think there's a lot of that. Like, every time I've watched it, I've noticed more comparisons between the two characters. And that's definitely on purpose and really cool. One that's th- another reason why they should have left the Joker out of the whole damn thing. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Dude, um, I think that the next one definitely going to be a time jump. Who knows what year they're going to go to. But I think they kind of set up a few things for the next one. We had a conversation between Bruce and Bella Real, who's now the new mayor. She's talking about him, about being more of a philanthropist and stuff like that. Maybe into the next movie, you know, maybe we see – I think we're going to see a little bit more of a philanthropist kind of giving Bruce Wayne – in the next 100%, one and, and working yeah. and working with Bella, you know, and, uh, and the mayor. And, and so, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's going to be bad at it still too. Like I, we're going to see him do that stuff and still not be a very confident Bruce Wayne and not the, like he knows he needs to do those things and make those appearances and play that side of the fence. Yeah. He, he, he invests all his money into Dogecoin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buy some really bad N- NFTs, you know. <laughs> yeah. Did Did anyone else notice like a one small bit of in- discontinuity in- was um when the mayor gets shot? Yeah. When they pull her to one side, she's clutching her her waist. She's been shot in the waist. Yes. And then the next time we see her, she's clutching her shoulder instead. Really? Oh. Yeah. Okay. If anyone else is going to watch it again, can you, like, you know, in the near future? The first time she's making sure her stuff doesn't get stolen, and the second time she's addressing <laughs> her wound. Because obviously later she's walking through water, which you probably couldn't do if you were shot in the, in the pancreas, basically. So, which is a lot more serious injury than the shoulder. Oh, I just kept thinking when she was in the water, like, this is seawater that's been running over the streets of Gotham. And now it's mixing yeah. with your wound. Like you were going to get. Yeah, because she was so definitely clutching of... her side. She was That's definitely gangrene. clutching her pancreas. Oh, <laughs> uh, you need to tune into the Gotham News that night and get exclusive footage of the mayor to be getting shot by a sniper. <laughs> Speaking of the um, the inconsistency too, wasn't the Riddler just going after corrupt people 
um, which is why he said that Gordon was safe. And and I thought they painted the mayor candidate, Bella Real, as being someone who's kind of pristine and doing the right thing. So I'm wondering why the Riddler went after her. I think he wasn't in control. Yeah, it was the followers. It's You can't keep those crazies from uh, not going to the next level, you know? Yeah. 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 Like he, he knew the explosions were going to happen. He was ready to mimic the booms. But beyond that, he didn't give these guys step-by-step instructions of how to cause their brand of chaos. Yeah, and he was ready yeah. to indiscriminately just kill anybody who was out on the streets with floodwaters. Right. I thought they did a really good job of that, too, of showing. I don't know if that was... I mean, was that New York where they were shooting? Um, was that really the, the Madison Square Garden? I, I couldn't tell. Wasn't Hold on. Um, Go back to what you're they, saying. They, it was hold on. Back to Liverpool and Leavesden. I'm sorry. I'm, I was interrupting to get back to like. Sorry. Sorry. No, it's my fault. It's my fault. I was just going to say, I thought that part of the online plan that he had was to assassinate the mayor-elect. Oh, maybe that was part of the plan. Maybe she does have some kind of corruption that we don't know about. No, I just think that at that point, he's just like, let's just take care of all the politicians. But yeah, he just wants it lawless at that point. What were you saying, Kay? I I apologize. I no, no, sorry, because he said somebody asked if they were filming in Madison Square Garden. They were filming in Liverpool, Glasgow, and London. Okay. Oh, so that was all in that was all in Europe. Wow. Possibly, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't, but I'm just saying there was most. There was a lot of a lot of it was being filmed. You, in, yeah, um, the UK. I remember when they were filming in Europe. When they did, I know, like when we were seeing, like the stunt man that got uh, injured and shit like that on the on the bat cycle. That hap- that was taking place in Europe, I believe. Yeah, because basically um, Wayne Manor, it was Hatfield House and Nebworth House, which doubled up. <laughs> Hatfield House is the kind of place we go as a school trip as kids. <laughs> It's like a regular, a regular place. But yes, it was a uh, Leavesden and Glasgow. Um, that seems to be the main areas that they get filmed. So, do you think we're going to see a bat plane ever in these movies? Oh, that would be cool. It'd be fun. I bet we 100 percent will. I want to. I, I, it just makes me like wonder, like what his bat plane is going to look like. Cause you know, they, it, <laughs> I love the one in the Nolan movies. That thing was fucking intimidating as shit. That, uh, that it was almost like that. Um, uh, what do they call him? Like Warhawk? I can't remember. Yeah. That thing was wild. It was almost like the ornithopters in Dune. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That thing was insane. I, I, it just makes me wonder what Pattinson's Batman's bat plane would look like in this world. What do you, how do you guys think they should proceed as far as this series is concerned in the greater DCU? Do you think they should just keep this completely separate or do you think they should, this is going to be part of the whole flashpoint, um, reorganization of things? Keep it out. Keep it out. Yes. Yes. yes keep it separate. Yeah, don't let anything else touch this. Like, I, I really appreciate like all that fantastical outside of Gotham stuff not being involved here. I, I like that there's no Superman in this world and and that kind of stuff. I, I think it, 
it really downplays what they're trying to do here. If you can be like, well, why doesn't Superman just come in and save the city? I just see DC as being so reactionary and, and, and this movie probably being a critical and commercial success is, I, I can just see them trying to find a way to shoehorn this into something else. Well, I mean, Matt Reeves has already shot down the crossover with this Batman and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. He's shot oh, yeah. that I mean, down. The timelines don't line up. Well, the timelines don't add up. He, he also, this is, here's his quotes. Um, actually, I'll, I'll just read the article here from comicbook.com. Uh, Batman director Matt Reeves explains why Joker isn't part of the Batverse and why Robert Pattinson's Batman and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker won't cross over. Set in year two of Bruce Wayne's crusade as a vengeful vigilante, the reboot takes place in present-day Gotham City. Filmmaker Todd Phillips' Batman last spinoff, Joker, about failed comedian Arthur Fleck, uh, is set decades earlier in 1981 and has its own young Bruce Wayne. Uh, in 2019, Pattinson confirmed that Batman is in a different world than Joker, and now Reeves is speaking out about why it was never the plan for those two films to share the same Gotham. I was finishing the Planet of the Apes movies when I first came on board in 2017. It's been five years in the making, uh, Reeves told Total Film. When I was working on the script and got deep into script, Joker hadn't come out yet. I didn't know what the Joker was or what it was going to be. Um, I became aware of Joker once we were very deep into the Batman and the fact that they were grounding things in a way that was reminiscent of things that we were doing wasn't planned. Joker was always meant to be a very specific standalone that Joaquin and Todd were doing. There was never really any discussion of crossover. So he talks about how it's not going to cross over with that, but it's not like... Have we heard confirmation that it won't ever cross over with the DCU? I don't think it will. I don't think it will. I think that they want to keep this Batman completely separate, just like like the Nolan films. They were so successful without all the other stuff going on that I feel like they kind of like want to try to capture a little bit of that again. They think that you can just make Batman movies. You don't have to have him involved in the entire DC cinema. I don't want to see this Batman um, I don't think this world fits with the DCEU either. I don't, I can't Not see really. this. No. I can't see this. DC tried to. Well, it looks completely different. And I know we're getting the Flash movie and that's going to reset everything. I get it, people, but it doesn't look like the Gotham that we saw, you know, um, in, even in the Harley Quinn movie. I mean, it looks nothing, uh, they, do, they look nothing alike. It just looks completely different. This just doesn't seem like it would ever gel with uh, with what we've seen. And I, I know we're getting the Flash movie. It's going to reset a lot of stuff, but... I bet you it's going to show up in that Flashpoint at some point. This? This I, version? I, I no, no, not necessarily being part of the story, but maybe like crossing over as the Flash is going through timelines. And we're already getting... Something like that. Uh, man, why even do... It's like... I just feel that DC is just so... Desperate to but why te- connect? But why tease they, that? I think even wanted the Nolan verse to connect. Why? Why tease that though? Uh, I yeah. I think Nolan it, well, Nolan put a kibosh on all that. Yeah, I he, think. he was the one who stopped it because a Man of Steel was supposed to somehow line yes. up with it. Yes. Well, see, the thing is, it's like it's like um, they've already got two Batman that are going to be in that Flash movie. It's like why? Why we don't yeah. need to incorporate this one. <laughs> I, th- I agree. I think they'll have their own Batman mythology going forward in the greater DCEU. I, I, 
I, I tend to agree that they're going to keep this separate. Well, doesn't I, it affect I, the next movie if we start seeing that kind of shit bleed over? I mean, it, it takes a little bit of the creative control away from Matt Reeves if they've got his Batman showing up for little stints or even or even like flashes of that world. It just it kind of yeah. takes away from this one, man. It takes away from like his creative control over this whole thing. And I, I feel like Matt Reeves is like, yeah, I'll do this, but I want to do it on my terms. I want the same kind of like Nolan treatment that he got, you know. About yeah. two days ago, uh, in an interview, Matt Reeves actually said he will not do a Marvel movie because of that. He doesn't want to be tied down to a greater universe. There you go. There so, you go. Yeah. Um, if he does have that power to just say, no, I don't want this to be a part of anything, then yeah, I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to be similar to Nolan. We're not going to see it in the greater DCEU. But I feel that if he was out of the equation that that Warner Brothers would be trying to shoehorn this into other things. I could see like kind of what Tristan's saying, but like far into the future, like maybe 10, 15 years down the line, Matt Reeves isn't involved in the universe anymore. Warner Brothers is like, let's make some of that no way home money and combine all these fucking franchises we have together. <laughs> I think they're doing that with this new Flash movie and bringing Michael Keaton in, you know? Yeah, but I... I think in 10, 15 years, they'll want to make that money again, you know, and they'll have all these other franchises that, that yeah. they combine together. And right? I'm hoping that at that point, fucking Robert Pattinson's moved on and he's like, I ain't coming back and doing that shit. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, they'll get the the werewolf guy from Twilight instead to be Batman in that version. <laughs> <laughs> team, team, team Jacob Batman. I forget that actor's name. Ty, Tyler Taylor, Lautner. Taylor Lautner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should get him to be. Isn't there like a uh, like a man wolf character? That's Spider Man, right? He should be Man Bat. Man Bat. Yeah, they should, they should get yeah. him. To no, be remember when Captain America turned into a werewolf, Jake? Oh, I'll never forget that. Oh my God, Cap Wolf. Yeah, man. They can have they can have <laughs> Taylor Lautner play you know Captain America werewolf. Isn't isn't Jonah Jameson's son like a werewolf character in the Marvel Universe too? Am I crazy there? No, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Man wolf or whatever the fuck. <laughs> You're just called whatever the fuck. <laughs> I think they're saying this movie's gonna make hundred and twenty million. They're guessing that it's gonna make hundred and twenty million this weekend. Is wow, that is, is but is that is that domestic or is that global? Um I think that's gonna be domestic and, and I think that's pretty good given the given the fact that like, this is not going to be a No Way Home. This isn't going to be a movie I think people are going to see five times. Like, yeah. I feel that people are going to enjoy it, but they're going to be more of a one-and-done type. And kids are certainly you – know, there's not going to be a whole lot of young kids that can really sit and, and enjoy this, I feel. It's also three hours, and that, that limits the amount of times you can play during the day. I've noticed that every theater has the mandate to bring back the late show ever since Batman came out, too. Like, I haven't seen any – 10 p.m. showings in theaters for a long time like even no way home wasn't really doing that and all the theaters are doing like 9 p.m 10 p.m 10 10 30 p.m batman showings so i think they're trying to make up for that one less time they can show it during the day and having a having a late show everywhere as well well amc with the variable pricing is definitely trying to make up for fucking lost oh, money yeah how shady is that they're like that's some real that's falcon shit <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. What are they like? The Batman uh, showings are going to be like a couple dollars more or something. Yeah, yeah AMC. Exactly. Yeah, well, AMC apparently they've been doing this 
overseas for a long time. Now they're just starting to do it here in America, and they're just doing it for the Batman. So, yeah, they put a little bit of an upcharge on the Batman as opposed to the other movies that they're showing out in the theater now, which is shady. So can I get into Uncharted for less? Yes. it's a lesser movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's a – that's really shitty. I mean, AMC has been doing some pretty heinous shit over the past couple of years. I, I know our local theater here, you know, the mom and pop owned theater they put on their Facebook page. Um, uh, unlike the other guys, we will not be raising the prices of our showing for the Batman. And I was like, all right, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I feel that like, yeah, you just don't pass that on to the consumer. I mean, we're, it's already $8 for popcorn. I mean, like, do you really have to upcharge? these new releases like that that can't be a, a model going forward yeah they made it so obviously shitty too they're like here's this popular movie that everyone wants to see and now is when we're going to implement these price hikes like they could have been a bit more subtle about it and not had as much wrath from people i think i mean it, it's not good either way but the way they introduced it the rollout was very bad do they have you by the balls though i feel like like i feel like sometimes you know, theaters and especially now Netflix, man, raising their rates like every fucking year. It's like they got me by the balls, though. There's so much shit on Netflix that I feel like I have to watch. You know, it's I'll like I'll pay an extra two dollars if they cut out that fucking Nicole Kidman intro in the movie. Heartbra- heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Shut the fuck up. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I get the chills the second she steps in that puddle. <laughs> Uh, I wish she'd slip and snap her neck and we can get onto the fucking movie. They're like, hey, everybody, come to AMC Theaters. Oh, wait, you're already here. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, come back. <laughs> I go to a Marcus Theater and I always got to sit through their CEO doing some commercial. Oh, fuck that guy. Yeah. Jake, that's the guy that we saw at the beginning of our showing. Oh, that was so hilarious. Yeah. I was dying. Those are like the only theaters I have around me. The like the nearest AMC is quite a trip. So I'm always at Marcus. And I'm so sick of seeing that dude before theaters. It, the, I mean, it's a great. The theater is fucking great. I think it's great. Great sound. The IMAX screens great. But that guy just drives me up a fucking wall. He drives me up a fucking wall. <laughs> like we don't have any of the IMAX stuff here for Marcus. We don't have any of that shit. So I'm like, God damn, dude, just get rid of this fucking preview. Yesterday, we I went, don't have because of AMC here. We don't have any of that at all. This is completely alien to me that you're getting these messages. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't get any messages at all, Kay? There's nothing. No, we have. Um, we have trailers. I think. I think we have a couple of adverts. I can't even remember. There's one one cinema that has a small like quiz up before the things begin, like asking you film questions. So you got something to look at and talk with your friends. Have you guys? Around, have, no. have you guys? AMC. They've been showing this fucking smart water commercial with Pete Davidson, and he's talking about staying hydrated. And he's in this like he's in like a gymnasium ball pit, and he's exercising there. And the whole time I'm thinking, the only reason you need to stay hydrated is so you can fuck Kim Kardashian every time she walks in the room. Because I guarantee no, you... we don't get that. I guarantee, I guarantee fucking tea you, the refractory period when you're dating Kim Kardashian is a little bit smaller than when you're dating anybody else. Because it's like, it's like anytime you walk into a room and you see her, you're just like, oh, fuck, here we go again. That's why you're, sta- that's why you're drinking the smart water, Pete Davidson. 
I mean, he's got a laundry list of people he's dated that I think are in that in that club, right? I mean, geez, Kate Beckinsale, Ariana Grande, like, oh my god. Yeah, it's he's always needed, he's always needed the smart water. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. I just read an article the other day that said Marissa, Marissa Tomei, she did that movie King of Staten Island with him, and she reached out to him, and she's like, I don't think I got paid for that movie. That must be nice to, to to do a movie and then months later they just have to be. Did I get paid for that? Did I get paid the money? <laughs> like it must be nice to forget yes. that you got paid for a fucking movie. Yeah, they cut me fifteen minutes off my check. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys, owe, you guys owe me six bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Next check. Get the fuck out of here. I'm gonna pay out right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Marissa Tomei rolling in that Aunt May money. You didn't even notice she didn't get paid for an entire movie. <laughs> well, after her fucking character dies, now she's going back and checking the accounting on her previous. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to put a spoiler tag at the beginning of this one for spoilers for No Way Home. <laughs> if you haven't seen No Way Home yet, oh my god. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> oh, man, I really appreciated that we had no trailers before our first showing. That was really amazing. I mean, the Marcus guy, very annoying. Yeah. I'll, ta- I'll take the Marcus guy over a half an hour of trailers like I had to see for time two and three. Yeah. Oh, my that- God, I had like 30 minutes of previews plus the Marcus guy. Ugh. Yeah. That- In this one, I just had a – we had like a general DC, these are the things that are coming this year trailer. So – when I went and saw Super Pets. When I went and yeah. saw um uh Suicide Squad a week early, no trailers. It was awesome. Just a countdown on the screen like we had this last time, Jake. And same thing with Shang-Chi. It was the same thing, no trailers. I love going to the fan events because they don't give us that bullshit. Yeah, that's the best. They tell you it's going to be this amount of time and it's this amount of fucking time. You don't have to like it's gotten to the point where we on purpose show up 15-20 minutes late to any AMC movie we see. Yeah, you're not going to miss anything. The only thing I hate about that is then I have to, like, walk over people, walk over people to get to my fucking seat. But other than that, it's no problem. It's not like I'm showing up early so I can fucking watch uh, Maria Menounos and her fucking, uh, this is her little show before, before before the credits start. Oh, my God. I've got enough of her at the gas pumps. Oh, for real. (laughs) Fuck that shit. Yeah, it looks like this movie's doing well. Um, I still, at this point, I still have to to give the edge. In my opinion, I still got to give the edge to the to uh, Batman Begins. If we're going off like the the first in a series, I still think Batman Begins is the better out of the two. My favorite cinematic. My favorite cinematic Batman will always be Mask of the Phantasm. Sorry. Yeah, that's a great one. I don't blame you. What'd you say, Joe? I'm going to have to give this new one more viewings before I can fully rank it. Um, because I, I keep comparing it to The Dark Knight in my head. And so far, just the the detective story aspect of this one is making an edge out for me. But I'd like to get some more viewings in. Just because I've already seen The Dark Knight so many times. I've yeah. only seen this once. Yeah, so, I've seen know, this. Is it is it shiny and new? Or, yeah. but man, it really means a lot to me that they did a detective story finally. No, that's great. I love that too. It's just for me, um, 
I love, uh, I've seen this three times and I, I really enjoy it. I, I, and I will watch it uh, again, but I think like multiple viewings, like I can always go back and watch Batman Begins. I just, I really love, I, I love that. I think it's, I think that's a really good movie. I love the, all the Rajah Ghoul stuff and like, you know, his early days of training and stuff like that. I think Nolan did a great job. So. I'm still. Yeah, my kids haven't haven't done the deep dive on the Batman movies yet, and so that's one of the things we're planning on doing, so that they have all the previous ones watched before this comes out on digital, because they've already made it abundantly clear they're not going to go to a three-hour Batman. Yeah, movie. <laughs> I, just, I I think Nolan's a better director. Has Nolan watched this new one? I think he has. Has Nolan? I haven't read any quotes from. Him. Yeah, I wonder. I, I, maybe I'm making that up. Let me see if I can find out if Christopher Nolan's watched the Batman. That'd be interesting to hear so, his thoughts yeah. on it. So no, Robert Pattinson auditioned for it during Tenet because he asked him. I said, "You went for the audition, didn't you?" And he went, "Yeah, I did." So. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he was actually went to the audition while he was doing Tenet. Yeah, that's funny. And he had to lie about it. Hmm. The only thing I can find here is that, what is it, the Batman producer warned Christopher Nolan, we're trying to beat you and Dark Knight. I saw that article. Yeah. That's I would a- love to see Christopher Nolan, like, an article saying he loves Seven Part Two. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh. That's great. Guys, that's all I got. I don't know. I mean, any final thoughts on, on the Batman? I, I, I love it. I love it. I, I'm sorry if it felt like at times I was a little critical on it, but I, you know, it is a high taste it and I do have some criticism, but overall I love the movie and I want to see more of it, but I do want, I do want, I want some more original ideas in the, in the, in the next one. I really do. I want some more original ideas and, um, but overall I really like this one. And then, and then, I don't know. Do something. I I think Zoe Kravitz is fantastic as the character. I just think it's the worst written Catwoman we've ever gotten. And I'm gonna unless somebody can prove me wrong. I I I I really feel like they they didn't give us a proper Catwoman in this. I think like it's essential that you give us a Catwoman that's a that's a cat burglar. And I don't think the movie established that. So they need to yeah. do some work with that. Well, it feels like a feel, character that, oh, sorry. I was going to ask Brian if he would feel better if in the next movie there's a letter on her table that says your account is paid in full. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, see, the problem with that, Paul, is that even if she, if she is current and on, on her bills and pays them off, it doesn't show me, like, why she, what, it doesn't answer the questions of why, of why is she dressing up like this and going out? And she has a cat mask. Why does she have a cat mask? Why is she going out? What is, be, what has she been doing before this? If she's not going out and robbing people, then what, why has she got this fucking leather outfit and going out there and doing all this stuff? Why is that even, I, it, it doesn't make sense yeah, to it, me. It needs its own HBO Max show to kind of flesh out what the hell was happening with that character up until this movie. Like, I do agree. Like, once that's pointed out, it's like, even showing her, like, having financial good stuff going on, it's like, well, what the hell? How did she learn to crack that safe in the first place? I mean, you know, before all that. So, yeah. 
it was a well, was a bit of a fail. I do understand the transition though, because it seems like her life work was getting back at Falcone, and now it's like now that he's dead, it's like okay, now I'm going to get the, the CEOs at the top that are, you know, uh, swimming in greed, and so I can understand that focus shift. But yeah, there is a bit of a disconnect as to why she has acquired all these skills and didn't really put them to use. It seems. Yeah, yeah. Explain. Somebody explain. I, I would love to fucking pick Matt Reeves' brain about that. Like, where did this all come from? Like, what's her past? Because you'd think that they'd have something going in. Yeah. But final thoughts, though. I mean, it it was. I it's probably my favorite Batman movie, but I I, I do know that it could be shiny new toy syndrome. Um, I just want to maybe in six months just revisit this and the Nolan trilogy and just kind of see how I feel about it. Um, but I really just love the, the detective element. That's just what I've been waiting for for years and years. And the fact that you've got a real noir detective film that kind of crawls at a snail's pace, that's that's what I was looking for. That's what I really wanted to see, and it delivered. Um, I did have a question, though. Do you guys remember when those leaked photos um, came out with, like, uh, it was like extras, and they were dressed in Batman and Superman cosplay? Do you remember that? I don't. No, I don't remember that. There were some deleted scenes where it showed people outside of like a club or something, and they had like cosplay on. They had like uh, Superman and uh, Wonder Woman cosplay, and that. I remember the Wonder Woman cosplay. Yeah. 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 There was a bunch. Hold on. Let me see if I can find any of these articles. The Batman set photo reveals Wonder Woman. Also exists in reboot movie. Yeah, uh, I think that these were probably just fans that no, like they're it look. Oh, hold on, I'm looking at a picture right now. Hold on, I'm gonna pause. All right, yeah, I sent that to you. Um, so are they on set? It makes me wonder. It's like if like they if these were just fans that heard that they're filming. And they dressed up like that to to watch as they. I, I mean, filming. the movie does take place on Halloween at the beginning too, so yeah. potentially this could be an Easter egg. That's in true. Someone's Halloween costumes. Yeah. Oh, I oh, did love. Sure. I did love when Savage was like, "This must be your favorite year of the night, uh, favorite night of the year." When it was done, when he was talking about Batman dress. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that guy reminded me like of if Charlie Day and Chris Farley fucked each other. Yeah, that's a great comparison. I wanted to call him Chris Farley Day. <laughs> that's interesting, though, Tristan. Yeah, I, I bet you're right, Jake. With uh, I bet they were gonna throw that in there for just like the Halloween scenes and shit, and then then somebody finally came to their senses and said, "This is stupid." Yeah, it's gonna cause all kinds of theories yeah. and speculation that we do not want. That's gonna lead to all kinds of expectations that we're never gonna fulfill. Please don't do this. <laughs> oh, listen to this. At the end of this article, and this, when did this, when did this come out? This, uh, October 17th of 2020 is when these, when this picture and this article came out. It says here they're talking to Reeves. Because the movie is a detective story, because it is a thriller in the sort of cop world, and because it's about corruption, we're treating this Batman story as if this could have happened. Um, the idea is that Batman doesn't have sort of the ability to have superheroic powers. He just has superheroic focus and superheroic drive. Uh, naming Chinatown, 
the French Connection and Taxi Driver as influences. Reeves added he pulled a lot of 70s sort of street-grounded stories. Yeah, we saw that in this, for sure. I guess those are quotes that he had at DC Fandom. Jesus, this article came out in 2020. Yeah, we've been waiting for this one for a while. Yeah, we've been talking about Matt Reeves' Batman for just the longest fucking time, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, they had that disruption for like six or seven months of COVID. Um, but yeah, they started shooting, I think, in 2019. Wow. Yeah, I'm ready for the next movie. I, I, it's, it, I think the, I, I think all three Nolan movies are superior in my opinion. Uh, but I do think that Reeves is fucking incredible when it comes to sequels. I know he didn't direct the first Planet of the Apes movie, but he directed that fucking, the, the, the next two films. And I think that, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm really excited for the sequel. I want to see what he does. I think he's really good at sequels and I think that he can make a, I think he can have a, you know, a great second film. I just, man, I'm just really worried about them jumping into, into Joker too soon. Yeah. I mean, there's a long history of comic book sequels being the superior movie, right? I mean, between Spider-Man 2 and, and Superman 2 and Dark Knight. And so I, I think the sky's the limit. I, I do think a sequel could be even better than the first one here. Avengers Age of Ultron. (laughs) 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 Ghost Rider 2. Oh, yeah, it's not not a perfect lineage, but... Thor of the Dark World. (laughs) (laughs) Captain America Winter Soldier. Guardians 2. Empire Strikes Back. 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 Uh, Oh, my God. X2, that was definitely a superior sequel. I don't know. I like the beginning of I X2. Like the, I like the first one better. I like the first really? one better. Yeah, I think X2 starts off great with the Nightcrawler stuff and the White House, and then everything after that I'm not a fan of. Yeah, it, like, blows its wad in the first 15 minutes, and yeah. it's just a fucking snore fest. Huh. Yeah, I'm right there with you. All right, guys. I want to thank all of our guests that joined us for the Batman review. Joe Stark, man, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on StarkCast, my long-form conversation show. Uh, episode that came out today was with Janine Daling. Uh, so I had a lot of fun talking with Janine. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja. And uh, Paul, where can people find you, sir? Find us on Apple to Oranges, where if you love John Turturro in this, you can listen to us talk about him on the new Apple show Severance, which he is fantastic in. When, when was your last new episode, man? Have you got a new episode coming out? It's not. It, maybe it's just not updating on my thing. I've been having an issue with uh, my hosting site. Okay. okay. My hosting site shut down, and they're not redirecting the old, like the the feed to the new site I'm paying for. Okay. I need to find your new feed, Paul, because I haven't. I, it hasn't uploaded a new episode for me since December twenty third. I know, that's bullshit. I'm getting pretty upset about it, but it will be up soon. Yeah, so check out Paul's uh, podcast, Apple to Oranges. Tristan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You can find me the next time PCL Joe or or Paul invite me on one of their shows <laughs> dude I'm, I'm so envious of you so i'm so envious of you sometimes you know what i mean i feel like with this show i feel like uh you know i'm i'm uh i'm the uh 50s housewife who's been slaving over a hot stove and then you know fucking everybody else just gets to show up and eat what i make and uh and you've got it made man you just get the you get to watch one you know you get to watch some shit and then show up 
And then uh, tomorrow I'm going to be uploading this and typing all this shit, making the artwork, yeah, blah, like blah, blah. Thanksgiving, right? Like we just fucking eat and you're just left yeah. to do the dishes and shit. <laughs> yeah. And then you, and, the, and then you got to listen. Then you got to listen to mom the next year talk about how I don't want to host Thanksgiving next year. I'm done. I don't want to do it. <laughs> it does. We're going out to eat this year. Fucking Tristan, you go out to eat every time you get on a podcast, sir. I envy you. The <laughs> <laughs> fucker in the kitchen that's like sticking his thumb in there and like sucking it. Yeah, you know, like before it's ready. Dude, well, I'm 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 to the point where I want to stick my head in the oven. <laughs> Kay, Kay, thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you very much for having me. Do you have fun talking about the Batman? I did have a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> Are you going to go see this again in the theater? I'm curious. Uh, at the moment, we're waiting for the Omicron wave here to peak, so probably not. Mm, okay. Uh, just simply because of uh, uh, social distancing and busy work times as well means that yeah it's a little it's going to be a little tricky but i will be getting it in 4k i have a, a very large tv at home so i shall be uh watching it again for sure very cool. maybe not in the cinema unfortunately guys thank you for joining us for our uh review of the batman we will be back next week reviewing uh tv shows and movies and all this other bullshit so uh join us next <laughs> week <laughs> and until then jake we're putting a lid on this one yeah put a lid on it all right we'll see you next week guys Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap!
music good at hate it? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftover. Only talent. It's the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.